0: Hello and welcome to Devour the Podcast. Don't you blame the movies the movies. movies don't make cycles, cycles, Movies make cycles, support, creators.
1: Welcome back to Devour the Podcast, everybody. This is episode 128. You've done it. You found us. Here we are. Uh, it is myself... Bo Ransdell, with me as ever, the yin to my yang. Uh, Jamie J. Sammons, Jamie, how are you?
2: I am doing really well. I am. I have all the jobs. All of them. That's. I, I have all the jobs. I am working wow. three
1: jobs right now. But, That's crazy.
2: But I know. But um. But I'm doing. I'm doing well.
1: I, I'm just trying. So how do you manage three different jobs? Because I have I, one. And in addition to all of that... uh,
2: I have uh, one office job that is Monday through Friday, regular business hours. And then two days a week, I go from that job directly to another job. And then I also work another job on Saturday and Sunday. So I don't actually have any full days off.
1: Do you owe money to the mob? What? Why? you think. Yeah. Well,
2: I, right now I'm in a transitional period. Okay. So, so I, I got the, um, the new full-time job and eventually it will be my only job, but I am just in a transitional period right now. Um, so, um, on one, at one of the jobs I'm sticking around for now because I promised the owner I would help him out while he's out of the country. So I'm still helping out there. And then when he comes back into the country, then I can cut that one loose And then with the other one, I'm just hanging on to it until I get like a a pretty decent cushion because you know how it is when you start a new job, you don't get paid for a little while. So um, I like having cash money in my pocket and the other job is good for that. So I may, I mean, I may end up keeping it for a good while if I can, like as long as I can sustain it. It hasn't been that bad. Um, I've been doing it for about two weeks and it hasn't been that bad. So... We'll see what happens, but All
1: right. Well,
2: that's what I'm doing right now.
1: Not being pressured by the mob is the the Higgins to my Henry, Vanessa McHenry. Hello. It kind of rhymed. That's why I went with it.
3: I've been working only one job, but I've probably been working the amount of hours that is equal to three jobs. Yeah. So, that's been my life for the past 2 months. Six weeks, two months, yeah. (laughs) But I'm not getting the pay that Jamie is (laughs) for three jobs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you
1: both sound tired.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And you know what's weird is, um, because like last night, okay, for instance, take yesterday. Yesterday I worked from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Straight through. And then I come home. I can't go directly to sleep when I get home from work. It's not like I can just come home and fall in the bed. I have to, you know, I have to chill. I do want to spend some time doing something leisurely. I want to spend some time with Brian, some time with the kids. So I, what happens though, is I end up staying up later than I want to, because I'm wired, you know, from coming home to work. And so, I mean, coming home from work and then, so, I'm up until like two, and then I'm like, "Well, that's okay, but then I end up for whatever reason i think I think what happens is I get nervous that I'm gonna oversleep, so I then severely undersleep I keep waking up um like a couple of hours before I'm supposed to get up and I'll try to go back to sleep and I'll keep waking up, go back to sleep, waking up. so I end up getting very little sleep <laughs> but it's uh, it's like a a betrayal of my body and I am rather energetic right now. I am at this moment. We'll see what happens. Right,
1: right. It, it, these <laughs> tend to be long shows, so yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'll be I curious. I out
2: strong because I'm excited.
1: Yeah, just be careful. That's how Bruce Lee died.
3: <laughs> God. oh Jesus. Uh,
1: all right. Enno- and? <laughs> <laughs> Enough fucking around. Let's get right to it. Uh, We like to begin the show of late with uh, a ranking provided by our listeners. Uh, It it is purely subjective. Our listeners provide us with a list of movies and ask us to rank them. In this case, uh, Abraham uh, has asked the question, who had the stronger debut in horror? Uh, Here are your four choices. David Robert Mitchell, It Follows, hmm. Robert Eggers, The Witch, oh, fuck. Jordan Peele, Get Out, John Krasinski, A Quiet Place. Oh! Rank those films. It Follows, The Witch, Get Out, or in terms of debut. Who had the best debut? Who had the worst debut of those four? Uh, Jamie, let's start with you.
2: Okay. Well, was it... Uh... Get Out, It Follows, The Witch, and The Quiet Place? That's right. Okay. I would say um, not quite as best to best. (laughs) Because, I mean, face it, none of those those would I ever want to label worst anything. So, like, I don't want those words to even come out of my mouth. So, not quite best to best. (laughs) I would say A Quiet Place, It Follows, Get Out, The Witch.
1: So A Quiet Place is your, you think is the best debut?
2: No, the best is The Witch. So I went lower to higher All
1: right, so give give that to to me again. That was The Witch? The Witch, Uh, Get Out, It Follows, A Quiet Place? Yes. All right, Vanessa, Jamie's drawn first blood.
3: Okay, I don't think A Quiet Place is as good as those other three. I will say that to begin right. with. That's, so that's my least
1: Yeah, I would agree favorite. with that.
3: But it's still strong. Um, then I would say it follows The Witch and then Get Out. Okay, so we're the same except we switched the first two. And maybe on my day of the week I might switch the top two. But no, I think it's ultimately going to be Get Out for me. As
1: favorite. Yeah, oh, okay. okay, so just for the record, best debut: Jordan Peele, Get right. Out. Robert mm-hmm. Eggers, The Witch. David Rappaport, Mitchell It Follows. John Krasinski, A Quiet Place. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm. I I think we're all kind of of the same mind here. I agree with Jamie, though. I as much as I love Get Out, and I certainly do. That is a a great, great fucking movie. Uh, the more that I watch, The Vavitch, uh, which I do more than I probably should at this point, I, <laughs> I, I think that it is an outstanding horror film. I, I truly think of all the movies that we've discussed in this list. I mean, I think Get Out is certainly going to have its place, but I think the Vivitch is going to be remembered as a classic.
2: I, I have to agree. I mean, to me, it is it is easily... In my opinion, the best film I've seen in a very long time. I mean, and I've seen a lot of films that I absolutely love. Um, like, I bring up a lot The Devil's Candy from last year, which was affected me on a very deep emotional level, and I absolutely love it. Honestly, if you threw that in the mix, then you'd give me, I would have some issues. Um, but with The Witch, particularly being a debut film, there are so many things. I mean, the script, you know, how accurate he was with time period with the buildings with the wardrobe with the language I mean he used all natural lighting there were just so many technical things that right. went that film that were so outstanding and uh, it just blew me away the care and effort that he put into that not saying that Jordan Peel did not put care and effort into Get Out because he absolutely did and that is a stunning film as well uh, it's just that for like those things about the witch just kind of feel like a little bo- above and beyond, uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's no one does that, you know, it's like to me it stands. It just stands apart because no one does those things, and uh, I, I don't think he, I don't even think he could recreate that if he wanted to. I mean, I would love to see him do something else with that, but or something else, but I, um, and, I and he is, but.
1: Nope, he's out of the business.
2: It. I know that he's uh, done. I well, I had heard that he had something else he was going to do, but it was not horror.
1: Yeah, I think that's the case. But I just like the idea of him being like, you know, what I did the I did the witch. You know, I'm done. I'm I am done i can not right. top that. amount. Yeah.
3: Right. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And you, everything you're saying is absolutely correct. I, I that is part of why I love it as much as I do. And honestly, I don't say that. there's not such a difference in the two as far as which I think is a stronger debut, but just the way that some of the, the issues and the way that it affects me on a personal level touches me differently. And I, the way seeing audiences come out of it, I I just, that's why I I think get out is, has a, a definitely a strong a stronger debut aspect for me. I can
2: understand that. I I mean, I think they both have their points. Some of it depends on my mood, too. Oh, sure. I mean, but, like, if someone were to say, I think, you know, It Follows is is the strongest debut, I wouldn't argue with that. Well, one, I'm not going to argue anyway, because it's all opinion. But, I mean, (laughs) you're allowed to have whatever opinion you want. And maybe that film speaks to you more than the others for whatever reason, and that's totally valid. Uh, But, you know, I think they're all worthy that's it. Abraham is really good at throwing out those really yeah. tough little asshole. But I'm just kidding. Yeah, I love, I love the Ram Man, and he knows it. He just won the prize pack from Colossal Collection. Congratulations to him on that. And uh shout out to Dave Z. I just want to say, clackety clackety, since we're talking about the witch.
1: Sure. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's that a fine list of films. Although I, I, I'm kind of of the mind that uh, with with Vanessa that. A quiet place is—I don't know that it hangs with those other movies in the same way. I think a quiet place is a fantastically executed B movie. Um, I don't—I don't think it's much more than that. Um, I enjoyed it; I had a great time. I oh, don't know, but it's—it's it's a schlocky dumb movie. At the end of the day, uh, it, it's just a really and- well done schlocky dumb movie.
2: Yeah, exactly. I I thought it was I it was very emotional for me. It really was when I mean, when he sacrifices himself at the end of that film, it tore my heart out. And while I was watching, you know, the watching the mom watch everything take place like she's watching on the video cameras, everything happen, I was imagining, you know, what if that were me? And I was watching this happen to my family. I mean, it really just ripped my heart right out. I was bawling. And I mean, that's not unusual coming from me, I know, but <laughs> uh, that aside, it, uh, I mean, it just hit me in all the right places, you know, and, um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely, for me, at least it is a, it's a lot more than, you know, d- dumb monster movie. You know, I, I think it was, and I know, I know you weren't like trying to demean it or anything when you say, it, but, but I, I think it had a lot more heart than than that and it, i definitely felt it and also i didn't see that coming i mean i know krasinski is, is very talented i've been a fan of his for a very long time i did not see that coming from him and um that was i mean i was like damn well good i didn't
3: think he had it in him to tell you the truth yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> wow
1: throwing shade at John, johnny or- Kay
3: i'll throw it out there i didn't think he had it in him and it it impressed me i will say that
1: yeah i i you know we'll we'll transition into what we've been watching recently and i'll kind of start with with a quiet place because i just recently saw it and i thought at the end of the movie i was like I, i i was a little surprised by what the discussion around that movie had been uh about it being mentioned, you know, again with movies like Get Out and It Follows and and The VVitch and whatnot. And at the end of the film, I thought the last 30 minutes of that were this great little nugget of tension. Like it handled multiple action sequences and and uh characters in jeopardy really well. I think the last 30 minutes of that movie is is one of the more enjoyable experiences I've had recently in terms of just a movie that was you know sort of hammering at you of like there was no there was no resp- uh, respite from any of the action that was going on it was just kind of one uh set piece after another and I thought all of that was fantastic and then you start thinking like wait a second where are they getting all their lights from do they have a generator wouldn't that make sound Is it solar panels <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> why haven't i seen any solar panels also, why don't they just soundproof their entire house and shut the door at night, and then they don't have to worry about all this shit? And well, I
2: wondered why they didn't just move
1: down by the river. Right, why aren't know? they living behind the fucking waterfall? Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, it's the old joke about, like, why isn't the entire plane made out of the black box? But it, <laughs> it's kind of the same thing of, like, hey, why aren't you living right by the loudest fucking thing you can find, and then soundproofing your join up, and bada bing, bada boom, you got the best of both worlds. Uh, so there was a lot of little problems where where I felt like it it's not the most well considered and well reasoned movie I've seen recently, uh, but it's also really enjoyable and that's why it kind of lands in the in the realm of the B movie for me. It it's a really great B movie in the sense that it does have those emotional beats that uh, it it takes its subject matter seriously. It's got a little bit of a vicious streak in it, which I enjoy uh, having the kid. Uh, hell
2: yeah. Like Absolutely. The, first, the first few minutes, um, you know, when we get what we get in that very first few minutes. And I was like, oh, shit. I mean, like in the theater, right. I was just
3: like, oh, shit. So that's what kind
2: of movie this is. Like, you know, we're doing this. We're going there. And I didn't expect that to happen, at least not right away. I was like, well, here we go. You know, and that made me really happy. Because yeah. if you're willing to do something like that, particularly very early on, I'm like, you Yeah, you kill go. that
3: kid already. You go, movie.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah.
2: And he was
3: so cute.
2: Uh, like, cute yeah. as a button. I mean, you know, looking cute. he was. I mean, he did some stupid things, but he was so cute.
1: <laughs> I, I just don't look at children and ever think that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, uh, the older I get, the more I do. It's it's it's, it's kind of weird.
3: Oh no! <laughs> oh wow! Did you it's... see
2: that meme where they were talking about how ABC News said to uh, <laughs> put something important in the back seat of your car so that you don't forget your kid in the car? <laughs> and it's <laughs> that little, that, it's that little blonde girl in the car seat that she. I love this. Is my favorite meme ever. When when she goes. She has that, what the fuck, look on her face, and it's like, something important. Like, yeah, <laughs> let me put something important in my car so I don't forget my kid. Because apparently my
3: kid is not something important. <laughs> it's kind of true for some people. Yeah. Well, uh, apparently.
1: That'd be me. <laughs> uh, like, hey, be sure you put that, that Blu-ray of Evil Dead 2 in the back seat so you don't forget <laughs> the fruit of your loins. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm interested in kids when they hit about 10.
2: Would that be like prickly pear? The fruit of your life?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, let, let's all say a silent prayer of thanks for the fact that that's never happened. And most likely never will. At at any rate, uh, you know, I, I talked about this a, a bit on the, the Morbid Monday episode, uh, that I thought that, um, yeah, I, I I think A Quiet Place is a really fun, well done film. I I just don't think that when you're talking about something like The Witch or Hereditary or something like that, it's just not part of that conversation for me because it's just not operating on those levels. You know, it do, it it doesn't. I think I I think it is a perfectly great like sci-fi monster movie that's got enough heart to it that it it it's glosses over all the little nitpicky things that as soon as you start to think about it and tug at threads of that film it starts to kind of fall apart. So, yeah, uh but that that's one I've been watching and, and then we'll bring it back around here in a few. But uh Vanessa what have you been watching that that's worth talking about here?
3: I'm going to limit myself to only one movie. Oh. I saw the first purge and I enjoyed it. You know, it wasn't spectacular, but I I have a lot of time for those films and I you know, it's even if you're not the biggest fan of the series, it was definitely better than the first one.
1: <laughs> yeah. The, well, the first one kind of sucks, though. Let's be honest. the the, the, not, the not the first Purge, but the first the, the Purge,
3: the first of the Purge series.
1: Yeah. Yes. it's it, true. Is kind of a shitty movie.
2: I just hate that they named it the first Purge because right. now anytime someone brings it up people think they're talking, talking about, about the purge, you know. people like, Hall. "Oh, I went yes. to see the first or, or the first purge is the best like cuz I saw someone right. post online. The first purge is the best in the series." And then it just right. started this huge fight where people were like, Hurry out of your mind. The first purge wasn't was terrible." And it was like 6 threads down where he was like, "I the
3: hello, the new one." <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> Not the actual first one.
3: Um so it's and- just what are you thinking? You know, and of course, to some extent, it's more of the same. I mean, it's a little, you know, ham-fisted with its message. You know, you get it, but it's set in Staten Island, which I found interesting as living as a New Yorker, knowing like some of the demographics and just kind of imagining on my own how that would actually play out. Because that is the conservative borough of the city. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's the only one that ever will vote Republican. I mean, you might have small pockets in other parts of the city, but it's Staten Island that might actually go red while the other four are totally Democrat. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, the least populous. But well, back when it, I used to spend a lot of time in New York, Patrick used to always,
2: whenever Staten Island came up, it was always that's where all the assholes live.
3: <laughs> it is. It kind of,
2: it kind of is. And, and so this, it was like that's how you know. <laughs> oh, they must be from
3: Staten Island. The <laughs> only way you can get there is if you take the ferry or the Verrazano Bridge or whatever. I mean, like right. it, it, it's it's very isolated, and it has this totally different things so it worked for as far as a setting for a movie like this and where they're trying to unroll this experiment into society like oh we're going to try it here in Staten Island before we try it nationwide and all this stuff but uh, I don't know one thing it made me realize is that oh my god Marissa Tomei is still so fucking hot I'm (laughs) just (laughs) and she's underutilized as an actress in this movie but that's what I have to say.
1: <laughs> what did uh, Robert Downey Jr. call Marissa Tomei in uh, that Spider Spider Man movie? Like you, uh, your uncomfortably hot aunt, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I always
2: think of her in like slums of Beverly Hills.
3: I know. I love her yeah. in that so much. Which to
2: me is like one of the hottest roles she's ever done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just I love her in that role.
1: Oh, I haven't seen that. Now I, now I know what oh, I'm watching really? later. Oh,
2: with young oh, it's
3: Natasha just, Leone, too. Mm. It's a fun movie. I really love that movie.
2: I Alan do. Arkin. Alan Arkin. Oh, my God. He's so amazing.
3: fucking hysterical
2: in that movie. He really is.
1: I like <laughs> but, <it>. uh. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> what was the, the name of that movie? In the Bedroom, I want to say? Yes. Uh, I thought she was yeah. absolutely fantastic in that movie.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well,
2: I'm sure you'd think she was fantastic in the bedroom. But I'm cheap.
0: Jamie, but Jamie. oh,
2: real quick, real quick Staten Island story that I just think is very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was up in Brooklyn one year for Christmas, <laughs> mm-hmm. there was a news report on TV, and it was about this guy who had kept buying the giant Christmas inflatables, and they kept yeah. getting they kept getting stolen out of his yard, and. <laughs> twice it had happened and so the news was out there and they're like and they're like oh we see that you got a new one and and this was in staten island and he's you know you see it, they're inflating the new one they're putting up the new one in the background while he's talking to the news anchor and he's like yeah um you know and they're like well, what are you going to do if this one gets stolen he's like well they can just ste- keep stealing them and i'll just keep replacing them <laughs> meanwhile they have his address printed across the bottom of the tv screen And I was dying. I'm like, they are basically just begging people to go steal his inflatables. And I thought that was the funniest damn thing. I'm like, that's his fucking address right there. And he's basically saying, keep on coming, steal him. I'll just replace him. I'm like, you're kind of a dumbass, aren't you?
3: Yep. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Yeah.
1: Well, Jamie, since uh, you've got the giggles over there. Let's uh let's talk about what you've been watching.
2: don't I. Well, because of you, I watched The Endless. Mm. Uh coincidentally, uh Brian just got that for review today. So, I think we're going to keep it. I liked it uh, quite a bit. I actually liked it more than re- re- um, what was Resolution. It? Resolution? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I I, I think that's I, right. I love I love how it ties in. And you don't. I don't feel like you have to have seen Resolution to enjoy this film. But it, to me, was so much more fun because I had. And so, like, when you get the little glimpses and, you, you know, like, you know immediately who these people are and what's going on, that makes it really fun. Like, I just, I enjoyed that so much. And so I do think it was a more cohesive story than Resolution. Or I feel like it was more put together, more fleshed out. Like, they, you know, spent a little more time on it. And while I enjoyed Resolution too, I, I really did like that film. I just like this one a little bit more, and I think that the um, like a, a paired watching is uh, is excellent. I think that would be. I haven't done that yet, but I think that would be a really fun thing to do.
1: Yeah, when it, when it when those characters appear in the film, spoilers uh, obviously for Resolution. Um, when those characters appear in in the film, it it is one of those moments where I. I I I literally uh, exclaimed out loud, like "Holy shit! Are you kidding are you, me? Like this is gonna be?" And it, it was it's,
2: like the way I felt at the end of Split. I mean, that's how it was. For yeah, me. And except I, know I that, liked it. Yeah, I was gonna say I know that didn't I know that didn't work for you like it worked for me, but at the end of Split, I was like, "Oh shit!" You know, and it and it just. Like this, it was it was amazing. And then so this was kind of like the way it was for me, even though I kind of was expecting it because you had alluded to it being sort of like a backdoor sequel.
1: Um, kind of. It, it's more of like here is just another film set in this world.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's kind of uh, like a running concurrently kind of thing. But it was um, really cool. I enjoyed that. I love the way they weaved it right in. I think it was really, really well done. So, And those characters that we got to see again, I was very happy to see them again because that was my favorite part of Resolution was just the interaction of those characters. They were brilliantly written and really well acted, I think, and and their interactions with each other were just the best part of that film. So to see them again, I thought that was a really great choice and, um, yeah, super fun. Worked out really well.
1: Yeah, the endless is good Uh, stuff.
2: Yeah, and so thanks for the recommendation on that. Brian dug up a film. Uh, I think it was recommended to him by a friend. I'm not really sure where, where he heard about it originally, but it's. I don't. I don't think I've mentioned it. It's called The New Daughter. Um, it was a Kevin Costner. Yeah. Film from like 2000. 2000- or 2012 or two th- long time ago or 2011 I don't know it was a long time ago and I'd never heard of it and I thought so when he was telling me about it I was like oh is this like a new movie and he's like no and I'm like well shit <laughs> so we watched it and it was really good like I was like damn how did this slip by me how did this go under the radar it was I was pretty impressed I mean I don't think it I mean it, it didn't like blow me away like the witch or anything but it was way better than i was thought it would be and probably one of the best performances i've seen out of costner in a while and it you know i think it was pretty damn good so uh, i don't know how it got past me i really don't because at that point when this film came out i was in full swing of trying to keep my finger on the pulse of the genre and somehow i never even heard of this movie so I do recommend that you can I don't know it's streaming somewhere. I don't remember if it's Prime or Netflix.
1: It's on Amazon Prime right now. And so what what's okay. the the gist of the movie? Kevin Costner is well, an agent for the Treasury Department.
2: He, <laughs> <laughs> he is an author who and that doesn't really play into it really, but uh, he's recently divorced. He moves to a new small town in North Carolina with his two kids, his daughter, his teenage daughter and his younger son. And uh, there's this really strange mound in their, on their property, mm-hmm. and the daughter is, like, attracted to this mound, and then, you know, things start to happen. You know, she, she starts to change. Um, and, you know, you don't really know, like, how much of it is, like, teen angst and, and oh, my parents just got divorced, and so I'm going to be pissy about it. Or is there something more sinister going on? And you know, as things start to layers start to get peeled back and you start to find out more, it actually ends up being a pretty interesting, very original story. And it's not like something tropey that you see all the time. You know, it's not a vampire story. It's not a zombie story. It's not, you know, it's, it's a something that no one ever talks about. And I love when movies do that, when movies bring something out of the woodwork that you never hear about. And uh, it actually has to do with native american folklore which i think is very cool and sadly underutilized and very under like untapped
1: yeah well but it's it's tough to to make a movie that that's kind of steeped in native american folklore without dancing all over all kinds of racism yes well wolves as well i knew
3: that was going to be the next thing you said (laughs) i mean you're talking about kevin costner i'm sorry it was natural
2: and you're dancing all over the wolves is that what you're
3: (laughs) no i understand what you mean
2: but the thing is you can respectfully deal with things from folklore without you know being racist about it you know um every you absolutely can
1: i just don't trust hollywood to do that
2: (laughs) well that's not very often that's why we look to the independents to do that, you know, uh, which is why I really like Wendigo films, because we've gotten more of those senses. Well, pretty much all from Larry Fessenden. <laughs> right. Because that's yeah. like all he does. <laughs> but, you know, that used to be something you never, ever heard about. And so I really like when a film tackles something like that. And like as much as I love werewolves, I love it even more when they pull something that you don't ever hear of. And it's, that's actually going to come up with one of the films we're talking about tonight is, um, you know, the reaching outside the box, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh, of course, you're talking about Veronica. Um, no, uh, we'll get into all that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> So I'll uh, I'll throw a couple of movies out there. I, I took uh, a few days off last week and watched all of the movies. Um, I wa- I went back and watched a bunch of stuff that I just hadn't watched in forever because you know it, it's like why would I sit down and watch Night of the Creeps when I've seen it thirty times? And then last week I sat down and watched Night of the Creeps for the thirty first time. And uh, so I'll, I'll give you the quick list to shit out
2: because I- we were talking about it on teapots
1: No, uh it, it's just because I wanted to watch it. It, it actually uh, uh, it just came up. I was, was watching it with a, a friend, and um, we both decided, like, hey, you know what would be fun to watch right now? Night of the Creeps. Um, uh, well, you, yeah. Let me give you a list of movies that I watched la- uh, in the past week or so, um, and, and some of it is teapots insp- inspired, some not so much. But I watched um, Quiet Place, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. American Werewolf in London, Silver Bullet in the same night, I would point out American Werewolf in London and Silver Bullet, uh, hey. Night of the Creeps, Arachnophobia, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Night, uh, you know, and then some, some other stuff. But I just had this, this sort of wash of movies that I dearly love. And uh, Silver Bullet is always a crowd pleaser. Like, that's a movie that isn't a great movie, it's just a movie I love. And well,
2: and I'm right there with you. You know that I was very salty <laughs> about the 1985 list and the, but and I understand it. It's just that I have such a deep love for it that it's difficult for me to understand why everyone else doesn't. Well, because
1: the because the werewolf looks stupid, and it looks like a big German shepherd. Uh, that's a problem. It's it is dripping with 1980s but in a that's way the best eh, it, it in a way that's not necessarily always great. Um, it's got a fair amount of Stephen King overriding in the dialogue, but it has a performance from I Love You Marty. Yeah, that's real stupid. And <laughs> but it's got a performance from Gary Busey that rivals the Tom Atkins Night of the Creeps performance in terms of. Oh, if you—if this was the only thing in this movie, it would be the greatest movie I ever saw. Yeah. Um, it
0: hurts my parts. Yeah, Gary, I—I know, that's I,
1: yeah. I know that's but it's
2: my favorite line in the whole damn movie.
1: It, it turns <laughs> out, yeah, I, I was kind of uh, bonding over that line. As a matter of fact, uh, it was kind of great. Um, but the, a couple of movies I want to talk about. Uh, talked about a Quiet Place. Also, uh, I saw The Strangers Pray at Night. Finally, caught up with that oh. one. What do you think of that? I uh, uh, kind of who cares? Mm. Um, I thought See,
2: I liked it more than the first one.
1: I uh, I disagree. I thought the first one was at least going for something. I felt like this was the biggest John Carpenter rip off I ever saw. Uh, yeah, but from... if you're gonna
2: rip off somebody, ripping off John Carpenter is not a bad way to go. I mean, already right, think of it this way: a flaming pickup truck sure is chasing someone down with fucking air supply blasting in the background.
1: Yeah, don't give a shit. How, I, I mean,
2: <laughs> or, or we've got a swimming pool scene, like a fight in the swimming pool with neon all around to total eclipse of the heart.
1: Also didn't give don't a un- shit. I, I don't understand <laughs> that. Because, don't understand because, because it was
2: fucking fun to me.
1: I So here, I, I don't think it's a terrible movie. I don't I want to give that impression. I think it's mediocre. I I thought that from the font to the music to the lighting to the shot selection it it was so obviously like hey we want to be a john carpenter movie and it and yeah. but at the same time they didn't have the balls to pull it off it just it felt like a it felt like someone trying to make a john carpenter slasher movie even though john carpenter really only ever made one and it was so unique you know, certainly at the time, but even today, it's just such a simple, straightforward story that it, it it felt like it was all the trappings of John Carpenter without understanding what made a John Carpenter movie tick. So you had all the aesthetics of it, but none of the none of the the drive of those films. And anytime someone whips out like, "Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we played this old '80s song while people are getting killed?" It's like no, not really. I mean, if the song is appropriate, that's kind of fun. But like, th- that's the thing I'd, I'd kept hearing as I was watching this movie with Michelle. I, I kept saying, uh, you know, when we get to I, what I keep hearing is there's a, a pool scene. There's a big scene at the pool, and that's when everyone said. Oh, the pool scene is, is fucking great. So I'm watching the movie. I'm like, yeah, this is okay. You know, again, not offensively bad or anything. It's just not not really uh, doing anything for me that any other movie wouldn't do, uh, you know, of this stripe. And then the pull scene starts. I'm like, oh, my God, if this is the scene that everyone was talking about, uh, you know, finally, I'm going to see the scene that that was so talked about. And as soon as the scene was over, I was like, what the fuck was the big deal about that? It was...
2: (laughs) Alright, well I never said it was big deal, but I but it is fun, I think. It
1: I, it, it was you know. it was fine. That's the whole movie. The whole movie is fine. It's okay. I mean I I've seen a, well, a I mean, ton worse movies.
2: Than, that's better than sucking, so you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I just felt like it got I don't know what the I felt like there was a lot of love for that movie. Or at least maybe that was just my impression of it, and and I wasn't overly hyped for it anything. I, I I feel like I measure my expectations fairly well these days. But it left me... It, it was sort of like when I saw The Last Jedi recently. And I had heard about the... Uh, I can't think of the... Kelly Tran, I think is her name. The, the girl plays Rose in the movie. And I'd heard all yeah. this uh, kerfuffle about her in the film. And I watched The Last Jedi, and I kept waiting for the moment where she did something that made me understand why everyone lost their shit over it. And at the end of the movie, I was like, I don't get what the big fucking deal was about Rose. She was a perfectly fine character in a movie that I enjoyed more than I thought I would. But the converse happened with... Uh, uh, or the reverse happened with Stranger's Pray at Night, where I was like, I heard all these nice things said about Stranger's Pray at Night, and it was a totally... like it comes in at a, a solid C as being like, this is an acceptable horror film. <laughs> you, you will pass. Uh, you can move on to the next grade. But <laughs> let's let's be honest, you could have put a little more effort in it. Yeah, I, I found myself a little disappointed uh, in, in Stranger's Prey at Night, only because I, I wasn't, like I said, I, I wasn't going into it expecting uh, a miraculous film or anything. But... I was hoping it would be a little something different, and instead it was just such an obvious attempt to cash in on someone else's a- aesthetic and
2: well I mean I guess and, and I however think I liked it because as much as I did because it was so slashery, whereas the strangers I've seen that film three times, and I've tried three times to to get what people love about it. And I just don't it when I saw it in the theater, it was just so incredibly predictable that it annoyed me how predictable it was. Like as soon as they got the shotgun and then the friend shows up like, okay, who did not think he was going to shoot his friend? I mean,
0: you
2: you just come on, you know, it you didn't get me at any point. And it's but I see that you're trying. But that kind of annoyed me even more. And plus, I'm not a big fan of of uh, like Home Invasion. It just doesn't do much for me. But I think they since they took this in a in a more slashery direction, I think that's why I liked it so much.
1: Yeah, and I'm kind of the reverse where I far prefer a home invasion film to a slasher film.
2: Yeah. So uh, that makes sense.
1: Right. So when when they decided to steer into slasher territory, it was like, eh, okay, fine. You know, if it's done well, I dig it. I'm not I'm not anti slasher, I just I'm anti formula slasher. Even though I watched Friday four and had a fucking great time with that movie. Because it's fantastic, that it is. Uh, yeah, Even though
2: Doug Tilly would be dead and buried before, he, <laughs> or some such. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, well, I don't think I don't think it necessarily belongs on any best of list, unless you're talking about the best Friday the Thirteenth movies. But uh, it, it's a great movie. It's a it, it's it's a hometown favorite. It's a movie you can throw on at a party and everyone's gonna have a good time. Um, but the last thing I'll say about *Strangers Pray at Night*. Is I think the movie is perfectly summed up for me in the contrast between the the original film and Pray at Night, where one of the characters asks one of the creepy, be masked folks, Why are you doing this? And in the first film it was uh... it was the response that I find really chilling, which is yeah. because you were home. Right. I, I think that's really a terrifying concept. And then in pray at night, the response is why not? I was just like, fuck you. Strangers pray at night. That's
2: no, I totally agree with that. And it's like at that moment, I'm like, oh, come the fuck on. Cause it's clear they were attempting to capture, right. You know, they wanted, they wanted to do that again. Like they wanted to be like, Oh, we're going to get that moment. And I'm like, that's the fucking best thing you could come up with is
1: why not? Right, yeah, know, yeah. And, but, the, but that was, to me, the whole film. It's like, well, we don't have anything to say for ourselves. So, hey, remember that scene from Christine? Well, here's one with a truck. It doesn't necessarily belong in this movie, but here it is.
2: <laughs> no, because, and, you know, basically, the dude at the end pretty much turned into Michael Myers. Yeah, kind of, yeah. What it, the fuck, dude? Like, <laughs> yeah. he just wouldn't die.
1: And, yeah, it, it, anyway, I, I don't... Like I feel I mean, like I'm. You're not I'm... wrong.
2: You're not wrong. I just had a good time with it. Is the thing you know? Sure. I recognize all that shit, and I'm just like, yeah, whatever, man. I got to hear some Air Supply, and I got to hear some some Total Eclipse of the Heart, and I got to see some Neon, and I had some fun, and that's pretty much as far as I go with that. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, well, and I have a low tolerance it's at this not point.
2: Prestige horror,
1: and well, it's not even that. It's not prestige <laughs> horror. It's just it. It's, uh, you know, it, it it's a realization I've lived too long, Jamie, is what it is, it, because the fact that so many movies these days are trading in that 80s aesthetic that was so particular to the time, but, it, you know, as with most of the films I watch that kind of do that, they get all the the aesthetics, they get the neon and the music and all that stuff. Right. And they forget to make the kind of movie that made that aesthetic. So cool. You know, uh, like you can't, <laughs> well, you can obviously, uh, what's a guy's name? Joe Bagos, who did almost human in the man's mind's eye. Um, like that's a guy that's just like, Hey, remember what was good scanners. Uh, you remember how awesome that movie was? You want one that's not as good. Cause that's what I made or you remember that movie the thing here's the one thing, that's yeah. not as good
0: uh, um, yeah um <laughs> and,
1: and or the void is that as well of like hey remember uh, john carpenter movies and kind of the thing um here's one that's not as good and i i i just think you're asking for trouble uh at, at a certain point that you either lean into the formula fully or you do something radically different, and I don't think that in the case of Strangers Pray at Night, it does either. It just, it, it just apes other better movies, and and I don't... i The fact that you're playing 80s music and making your shots look like Dean Cundy shot your film doesn't make your film good. It just makes it remind me of other movies i would prefer to be watching
2: well so from a purely devil's advocate just uh throwing this out there point of view you may even know what's coming Uh, where does this place lost after dark
1: well it places it as a movie i wrote 20 years ago before this was the thing (laughs) And like, even at the time it was made, other movies were starting to do it. And it was, it was a thing that I, I, I didn't really care for, uh, because at that point it was kind of becoming one of those movies. But that being said, I also felt like we tried to do something different with it. You try to shake up the formula a little bit. Um, and, and so it was, even though it was following the the formula to a point at a certain point, the idea is it subverts that expectation and and becomes something a little bit more vicious and you know how successful that is you can argue and and I I would do the same. It is uh, you know, certainly an, an homage to those films, but I I think that the fact that we're we're taking bits from other slasher movies, with the exception of uh, the eye scene from from zombie. Um, everything else is kind of very much rooted in that genre. And like I said, it was, you know, it was one of the first scripts I think I ever wrote. And at the time I wrote it, it, it did feel like kind of a fresh idea. It's just well, by no, the time it, was, it got made.
2: I, I still maintain that your script is phenomenal. And um, it, it always has been. It, um, well, thank
0: you. Uh, yeah,
2: I know. it was. And one of the things I loved about it, the first time I read it, was exactly how you did purposely subvert everything you know and you know as i'm reading it i'm like oh you know you think you know where it's going and you know you it it doesn't like it doesn't get all tropey on you
1: yeah
2: um no i mean i think that i think that's true and it was a long time ago and it was before uh this whole thing became a thing
1: yeah this um, is all pre-stranger you know. like at the time i wrote it this was even uh jeez, i don't know that there had necessarily been a film like that that i could recall um, you know, cause I don't, uh, <laughs> believe wow, I mean, it or and,
2: not. And 80s nostalgia wasn't even in
1: well, it was swing yet. Right. You know? It was the fucking nineties. Nobody was nostalgic right. for eight years ago. So, yeah. you know. I mean,
2: and, and then of course, like, uh, nostalgia has like 30 year cycles. So, and then yeah. that's typically how it runs. So now that's just where we are right now. Um, but yeah, when you. When you did that, it wasn't
1: even a thing. So yeah, yeah. I mean, right. Certainly, at the time of writing, it, it, it wasn't, and and even when the movie was made, that was still pre, you know, Stranger Things in the Void and Prey at Night and all that stuff. So right. Um. It, all right. It, big it, ones. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it is just Stranger Things with a a clown.
3: Yeah.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> I, I like
1: it, but that. Let's be honest. That's what it is.
2: <laughs> uh, even some of the same cast
1: yeah right um, although I'm, I, as soon as I heard that Bill Hader was was tapped to play um, Richie Tozier in It Part 2 that I, that sold the ticket right there like I enjoyed It well enough I thought it was a, a, an above average horror film um, I just you know I saw it twice in the theater as a matter of fact I, I liked it enough that uh, I did that but you know, I haven't rewatched it since. I don't feel like I need to. I feel like I got everything. I don't I don't think there's any deep subtext in that film that I'm not unspooling in my mind or something. Um, I you know, it's good popcorn horror. And I expect the second one will be as well. Uh, okay. Enough uh enough shitting on the genre we all love. Uh, let's find other things to shit on. <laughs> um, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with uh, the news and your questions on Ask DTP. Be quiet a second, will you? It's 8 o'clock in Los Angeles. It's 9 o'clock in Denver. It's 10 o'clock in Chicago. In Baltimore, it's 6.42. Time for the 11 o'clock report. Here's Johnny!
2: I have come
1: here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Game over, man! Game over!
0: Your mother sucks cops and hell.
1: Welcome back to Devour the Podcast. Uh, this time in the show, there is only one thing on my mind. Jamie news me up real good.
2: All right, I'll see what I can do. Thank Vanessa, please, for wrangling all these news stories. I said, thank Vanessa,
3: please. There were slim pickings,
2: I felt.
1: (laughs) I I didn't know (laughs) if you meant me or the audience.
2: Everyone.
1: (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) Vanessa.
0: (laughs) Okay,
2: first up... Is some news about a shark movie because I fucking love shark movies and I've been really excited about this one in particular. But here we go. Alamo Drafthouse's Rolling Road Show is bringing the mother of all sharks to the big screen in the best possible way. That's right, the 75 foot megalodon is headed to the waters of Austin, Texas for a special preview screening of the upcoming The Meg. The special screening in Megalodon Madness takes place at the Violent Beach Resort. Violent—that would be an awesome name, but that is not the name of it. (laughs) It's Valente Beach Resort, (laughs) but Violent on August fifth, complete with water rides, volleyball, and food and drink. Hopefully, they'll occasionally drop some like buckets of red dye into the water or something like that to freak people out. Right. Either make them think someone got killed by a shark or that someone peed the pool and the chemicals gave them away. Because <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: we all heard that rumor growing up.
0: It's not a rumor. Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Megalodon bait, I mean attendees, will be among the first to experience the, I mean I tell some bad jokes, that was not one of mine, uh, Was will be among the first to experience the Meg before it hits theaters out on the waters of Lake Travis with nothing but a raft to protect you from whatever lurks in the depths. (laughs) And I gotta tell you right now, that would fuck with my head big time. Me too. We already talked about my fear of the depths, and um, if I was watching this film like that, it would be like two seconds flat before I was on land. I'd be (laughs) like, oh, gotta go.
3: Yep.
1: Yeah, I, I like the idea, although... I just don't know if I want to see that many horror fans and swimwear.
2: <laughs> that is an excellent point that I hadn't considered. Thank you very much. <laughs> These are the folks uh the Rolling Road show or the folks responsible for previous immersive fan-fave film events like Jaws on the Water and a special creen- screening of RoboCop that screened at OCP headquarters. Now, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, Jaws on the Water inevitably... Someone tags me in that post every year, and as far as I know, I I think they only did it the one year, and it was like three years ago. (laughs) But unless they keep doing, unless it's a yearly thing, it might be. I don't know, but I keep getting tagged in the same post at least two or three times a year because everyone knows how much of a how much of a Jaws fan I am. So if it comes up in someone's feed, they're like, "Oh, Jamie's going to love this," and it's true. I do, and I do appreciate that. I love that. Our listeners know me as well as they do and that they point out things that are interesting to me or they think would be interesting to me because they're right. And so I appreciate that. But I just think it's funny that how many times that I've seen that same post about Jaws on the Water, which I did not get to go to. So it basically just rubs a little salt in the wound every time. It just breaks my heart a little more. But I would love to attend this. I would probably definitely leave some pee in the pool.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, I, I think this would be a really fun event. Yeah.
1: I like the fact that it is $42 for a ticket.
2: Is it really? It, I didn't see that in the article I'm reading.
1: I, I dig deep, JJ. Oh. And
3: but to figure as that deep out. As that the Marianas be- Trench. Figure that out. That includes, that's the price of a movie, which for me here is about $17.
2: Oh, and then, in New York, man.
3: Yeah, exactly. Except when I go use my movie pass or in some weird art theater. And and then you've got amusement park type stuff around there. And then they might have stuff like free popcorn or whatever handout type stuff. It's a special event.
1: Right, yeah.
3: Like, I could see if, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't expect this to just be like 20 bucks. Well, that's true. I mean, I paid, um, when I went to
2: go see the 35 millimeter print of Jaws at the Fox Theater in Atlanta on the 35th anniversary... I forget. I think we paid $35. <laughs> I feel like there were a lot of 35s in there. I don't know, but it was, it was, I mean, it was an event. And so, you know, I paid for it. And then on the 40th anniversary, Brian took me to see it here or because they did the, um. oh, what do you call it when they do the simulcast thing all over the, th- for all the theaters? Uh, like like the, the
1: Fathom events or whatever. Yes, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. For the 40th anniversary, they did a Fathom event. Yeah. for Jaws and so he took me to see that and that's a little pricier than just going to a movie you know and and sure. we did that you know so I could uh, for a one time event thing like this I, I would I'd do it yeah I mean I'd, I'd pay that I think sure. it'd be fun it'd yeah. be worth it except for now that I'm thinking about all those horror fans in swimwear but <laughs> whatever. We're,
1: we're a doughy lot uh, we <laughs> horror fans yeah <laughs> Pe- pale no, and doughy. some
3: are just really skinny, too.
1: Right, it, it's the extremes. You know, it, it's <laughs> rare It's rare that you have, say, a John Rhodes that is just this jack dude who's like, I love horror! You know, like, you don't seem we're, like one of us.
3: We're all pale, was
2: I was <laughs> thinking, exactly, I was picturing the pale skin, like, all <laughs> the pale skin. Because I know I never see the sunshine. Never I mean, and that's partially because I can't i'm a like is because I'm vampiric, but <laughs> yeah, um well, I do it I get adverse effects from the sun i do I'm just picturing all of these like I'm basically a, a whole just a sea of goth kids, <laughs> yep,
1: well, let's see now I'm back on board. You say it like that, and I'm like, all right, all right, I'm with it. Like
2: a sea of goth kids in swim trunks, which to me is always funny looking.
1: Right, just Wednesday, lace parasols. Adams and
3: Pugsley, like at the summer camp. Yes, <laughs> like yes. That would be awesome.
2: <laughs> you know, isn't it? But don't you think it's hilarious when you see, like, a goth kid who's forced to wear something um, because they just don't make it in goth? But, like, <laughs> like, who's forced to wear something that just looks so alarmingly normal, um, and colored like, or colorful or whatever. So it's kind of like when, if you guys have ever seen Valley girl, when you see like Nicolas Cage's character and Fred, when they're at the beach and are surrounded by all the Valley kids, but they're punk kids and they're wearing swim trunks. And it's just funny. I mean, it just, it doesn't, doesn't go like, you're not, you know, that doesn't work. (laughs) But anyway, Anyway, I would totally do it.
1: Now that you mentioned uh, Adam's family values, all I can think of is the scene with Wednesday at the camp when the girl says, uh, I'll be the victim, and Wednesday says, all your life. All your life. Oh, it's so good.
3: <laughs> I know. I know.
1: Uh, <laughs> God damn, those movies are good. Okay.
2: They're sick. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next up. up. Speaking of doughy, pale people, uh, the Vampire Chronicles <laughs> finds a home on Hulu. Um, I, well, they're not necessarily doughy, but just pale. <laughs> it's a good day to be an Anne Rice fan. For months now, we've been waiting. <sighs> Christ almighty. It's a good day. It's a. What's that from? It's a great day. At, that's from a movie, I think. It's a great day. Oh, no. It's from Mama's family. Sorry.
3: Anyway. Um, <laughs> wow. You lost me, Jamie. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I, I, I mean, was deep, deep, and uh, I couldn't go. I know. I couldn't go. I appreciate, appreciate
2: you trying. It's from the episode Mama Gets a Job, and that's how she's supposed to answer the phone at the travel agency where she works. It's a great day at Raytown Travel. <laughs> but
1: anyway. It, it's so fascinating when we get these peeks into Jamie's psyche. And and it I'm just so... helps things make sense more.
2: You know what I said is like I was, said I was fine when we started, but we'll see where that goes. <laughs> I think that's a valid point my mind. <laughs> okay. For months now we've been <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I keep doing that inflection. I don't understand. Okay. For months now. <laughs> We've been <laughs> <laughs> Who
3: do you think you are?
2: Me? <laughs> <laughs> People are like, For months now, what, bitch? <laughs> We've been waiting for Jamie to finish this goddamn article.
1: <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> we- no, We've go- been
2: waiting- <laughs> I know. And next story. We've been waiting word on the broadcast home of the long form television series based on the vampire chronicles. According to news from the rap. That home will be Hulu. This is incredible news for fans of the Chronicles. Hulu has built a reputation for producing high-quality, no-holds-barred original content for several years now, with shows like The Handmaid's Tale and the highly anticipated Castle Rock, based on the work of Stephen King, which will debut later this month.
1: Debut today, as a matter of fact, the day that we're recording this.
2: is it today? First three
1: episodes are out. I've watched about half of the first one. Is it good? Yeah, I mean, it's 30 minutes of... A show, uh, yeah. So far, it's interesting for sure. Okay.
2: Well, I mean, you know, it, did it hook you right away? Yeah,
1: I, I, I was gonna watch the the rest of the episode and then I ate dinner and was tired. Um,
2: <laughs> Can someone tell me about The Handmaid's Tale? Yes, I don't, I don't know anything about this show, but everyone keeps talking about how amazing it is, and I don't even know what it's about.
3: Do you know anything about the book? No, or the movie? Okay, no. it's a near distant dystopian future uh basically it it it's like there's a certain amount of people who are sterile and and then then like their fertile women are put into like a sex slavery and it oh, it's okay. a whole story that deals with like issues yeah feminism classism the book gets a little more into some race issues but um, it's phenomenal,
2: yeah, well, every like all the pictures that I see it looks like they're Amish or something now <laughs> well in and it, and it so did it kind of go forwards and then go backwards, or you know what I mean well, like
3: it goes it goes into this idea of it's basically something that started in that they get, they don't give an exact year yet of when it's supposed to have been started, but okay, say like two thousand fifteen. You know, really. And it's supposed to, the idea is to go back to the principles of the Bible and it goes back to this one okay. story of, yeah, it, it incorporates a lot of this biblical stuff. And there's these different like almost castes in society and every, there are different uniforms that everybody is kind of given based on that, that, you know, it, it, it designated by your fertility and by your actual like financial class and the, the amount of power you have. It's very interesting. And actually, Darren and I recommended the series uh, not that long ago on one of our episodes. But we're going to be doing the book and the movie in September. So oh, cool. Okay. Get to reading it, lady.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, that's awesome. I'll look forward to that.
3: It's amazing, but it's really.
2: Well, I was going to say, what scary. genre would it, you classify it? But you bring up all of the all the Bible stuff, and for me, that settles it straight into horror. So, it, well, <laughs> the way it's done, it is it is horror. Oh, well, it really?
3: It, it really is horror. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. It's a well, dystopia um, type it, it, sci-fi. I guess is technically the category that it's. Uh, that's written. kind of what
2: I pictured from weird description, but yeah. I know a lot of <laughs> horror fans are have been watching it, so. Okay, well, then I'm definitely interested. I'm, I know I'm really late to the party on that, but... And that has nothing to do with the... No, it does not. So people who've been still waiting for me to finish this goddamn article, both <laughs> Anne and her I'm son... I'm trying to bring it back, Bo. I'm trying to bring it back. You did, did a, a fine job. job. And Christopher Rice will serve as executive producer on the show, which is set to tell the story of French nobleman turned vampire Lestat de Lioncourt. Yeah. Lincourt. Yeah. Yes. Uh, from what we've learned, this would place the beginning of the series where Lestat himself takes over telling his story in the 1985 novel, The Vampire Lestat. That means that fans of the original 1976 interview with the vampire Wrong. may have to wait a while.
1: There is mm. no way that the oh, I, I guess they're talking about the the novel, not the movie. I was when I originally read yeah. that, I was like 1976. No. That's not when that movie came out. Yeah, oh, yeah. No.
2: No, the book though. Yeah. And and I always forget how long it took for that film to come out, you know, know. how how old the book actually was, because it was in the like 87 when I read the book and I didn't realize how old it was at the time, you know, then it just felt so new, you know, yeah. Anyway, they may have to wait a while for Louis and Claudia to enter Lestat's tale. After all, a great deal happened to the Brat Prince of Vampires before he even became a vampire, and it will be interesting to see how much of that story is told in the series. Rice has spoken at length online about her desire to create a series that is true to her work and characters, and I, for one, can hardly wait to see Lestat, Armand, Louis, Claudia, Gabrielle, Maherick and the rest of her immortal characters come to life the way she she herself has dreamed. Currently, no word on when the series will premiere, but now that we know where it will happen, news of when and who will be joining the cast is sure to follow. And and uh, yeah, and yeah, shouldn't be too long on that. I hope. I actually am kind of looking forward to that and all of the. Speaking of goth. <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm
3: totally looking forward to that.
2: It's going to spring forth a whole new love of the frilly vampire culture, I'm sure. Yes, of course. It um because, you know, it's gonna. And but that's okay because I kind of dug that. Like I was I I loved that shit. And um I'm right there with you. Kind of cool to see it come back. And maybe
3: even some gilded cherubs. <laughs> no. But <laughs> the gilded cherubs. No. <laughs> That sounds like a really
2: terrible band.
3: (laughs) Fuck the Gilded Gilded Cherubs or just Gilded Cherubs? Actually,
2: either one. Either one. I think Fuck the Gilded Cherubs would be like a punk band, though. Agreed. (laughs) Okay. Next up, the... Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. Are you guys looking forward to that? (laughs) I got through the damn article and then didn't even, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I am.
3: I am. (laughs) yeah I'll, i i I'll give it a look. i have a lot of time for that series but i think that i, I think hulu or a netflix streaming you know type platform could tell the stories better than perhaps like a some other platforms okay i
2: yeah i don't disagree with that
1: yeah i'm i'm certainly interested i so far uh i like I, I like what I've seen from Castle Rock, even though, like I said, it's only been half an hour. But I think Hulu is, much like Amazon and Netflix, is, is trying to carve out a name for themselves by doing stuff that is quality, that would never find its way onto a network. And yeah, I'm uh, by all means, if you can pull this off, I'm, I'm excited. I love vampire stories. I'm not the biggest fan, uh, admittedly, of uh, the Anne Rice stuff. I, I find it a little brooding for my taste. I like a monstrous vampire and not one conflicted about being right. awesomely powerful and immortal.
2: Ryan's the same way. I mean, and, and I totally... And I get that, too. Like, I, I, I don't like it when they're overly... I don't know. I I don't want to see so much, like, brooding emotion and, you know... yeah fuck off. But... <laughs> but at the same time, there's something about the Anne Rice stuff that... I think it's because she really kind of did it. Like She's, you know, that's her domain. And it got flooded sure. after that, but right. that's not really her fault. And I, you know, I think what she did when she did it was very, uh, sort of like a unique take, and, and kind of cool. And now, even though it seems now very cliche.
3: Well, and I appreciate that with this, Christopher Rice is involved, because mm-hmm. I will say with Handmaid's, I know, he I mean, he didn't write it, but the fact that he's, you know, involved in it for his mother, then I think that maybe there's going to be a special care and attention that'll be taken. Because, like, with Handmaid's Tale, Margaret Atwood, the author, has been very involved with it. I didn't know Atwood wrote that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think that kind of thing makes a huge difference. I I mean, because you can tell how it, you know, evolves and... Once it comes to things that aren't even in the original source material, how it, it it maintains this sensibility? At least *Handmaid's Tale* has thus thus far, although I know there's a controversy about the season two finale, but <clears throat> I'm not going to spoil that. <laughs> All right, yeah,
1: I've never seen an episode of that,
3: so I can't recommend it enough.
1: I can't. Yeah. It- I, I know, it's just, it's one of those things, I'm sure it's amazing, I wish I had time to watch everything, like, mm-hmm. I spent yesterday catching up to, uh, it, it's a a documentary, this is completely non-horror related, but there was a documentary that HBO did, or actually Judd Apatow did, that HBO uh, produced and, and distributed, uh, that Judd Apatow did on Gary Shanlane called The Zen of Gary Shanling, mm-hmm. and it's about four and a half hours long. Split between a couple of of episodes. And I love comedy. I love stand-up comedy. I have a lot of affection for both its Gary Shandling show and the Larry Sanders show. And I just hadn't watched it. And yesterday was the day that was just like, you know what? Someone else had mentioned it. I was having lunch with a friend of mine. And he brought it up again. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch at least the first part. Which turned into me watching the whole thing because it was so good. Um, wow it is it, it truly one of the best documentaries I've ever seen uh, damn yeah it it is as fascinating a portrait of an individual as I have ever seen put on film mm-hmm. nice have you seen it, Vanessa?
3: I've been meaning to see it, but then I looked at the time I'm like, okay, that's a lot of time to commit but yeah. i I'm interested definitely
1: this is the theme to Gary show yeah theme <laughs> it, <to> Gary show. <laughs> it i I can't uh, it, you're absolutely right. The the ask is big, as far as time goes. But at the end of it, I I would have happily watched another two or three hours if they were more of it. Okay. It was okay. it was that good.
2: Okay. Hulu is going to force me to get Hulu. That's what that last story basically is is telling me. Yeah. It's, Between that and yeah. The Handmaid's Tale, and um, I'm just going to be forced into it. It was. I'm just like, God damn, how many more streaming services can I have?
1: Right, but it's kind of what I have instead of cable because Hulu picks up a lot of network shows that they show yeah. the day after. So Exactly. That's kind of my jam. It's it's Hulu. I, like I have Hulu, Amazon, and Netflix, and Shutter.
2: Can you do reminders on Hulu? Yeah. Because part of the reason that I have been so reluctant to get rid of cable, even though Brian keeps begging me, because <laughs> he's just like a cable. I, um, it's it's because of the DVR. Because we watch so much stuff that without the DVR, I will never remember to watch it. So if there is a medium in which you can actually put reminders or like a cue or a something that will allow me to have things and not forget that they even are happening, then that would be awesome. But the thing is, I mean, like I don't ever know when shows start, like new seasons. I just wait for them to pop up on my DVR so yeah,
1: that, that's how i am with yeah. the, the good place which is one of my favorite shows right now but i don't know when it premieres or if it's coming back or whatever i just every now and again i'll log into hulu and it's like oh hey here's a new episode of the good place i'm like
3: great oh well see that's kind of cool okay well maybe i'll actually look into that more seriously now because he really I wants believe to premiere. that premieres in september and it is coming back
1: oh uh, that show is... Man,
3: she is a wealth of knowledge is she not
1: this is this is why she's the perfect replacement for, quite frankly, any of us. Um, but
2: <laughs> I was going to say, re- David, he wasn't a wealth of knowledge.
3: <laughs> I'm a wealth of useless information. David <laughs> was, in his own way. I mean, that black metal episode of Did on BD Clinic with him. Jesus Christ!
1: <laughs> but there is no, there is nothing useless about knowing when the good place is coming back because it is the greatest (laughs) sitcom since Seinfeld
3: I haven't seen it I haven't seen it
1: oh it's so good that makes
3: it even weirder that you know about it what the hell girl I know that in part because Court loves it and he mentioned it to me
1: it's uh the guy who did Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Parks and Rec as well as I think Drew Goddard uh oh. has some influence on the show but it is it is genuinely it like every season it it's been reinventing itself and i keep thinking it's going to just tank when when it makes its turns and somehow it just gets better so they're doing they're doing god's work uh speaking of the good place they're doing god's work <laughs> over there on that show
2: <laughs> um should i Make the statement that I was obviously kidding about David and I love him and miss him very much, or is this whole bit just going to be taken out? Because
1: um, it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> I, well, this will be taken out. Okay. Your apology.
0: <laughs> My apology. <laughs> of course.
2: Uh, and obviously, I was kidding. I love you, David. You were a wealth of a lot of things. Okay.
1: <laughs> also edited. Ha,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> ha, <laughs> <laughs> The power. <laughs>
2: Okay. Next up, the disturbing 2015 horror film Emily is coming to Netflix, and you—yes, I'm talking to you out there—shouldn't miss it. There's something very wrong with the new sitter. Our friends over at Netflix have allowed us to exclusively announce, and that not us, but BD, God, fuck them, today that Michael Thalen's. Emily is arriving on the streaming service on August 2nd, which is great news because it's a damn good horror film that flew pretty far under the radar when it was released in 2015. I believe it flew under mine. Did either of you guys see it? No. Uh,
1: Yeah, Yeah. I haven't seen it. I've got it strangely. When I saw this article, I was like, that sounds really familiar. (laughs) And I realized it's because it's on my shelf. And uh, Eh. I have not uh, seen it yet. But um, now I will. (laughs) <laughs> All right, now, you now, now that I've been given a little nudge,
2: well, here's a little uh, info. Uh, written by Rich Herbeck and directed by Thalen, Emily stars Sarah Boulder as the title character, a young woman who shows up at a couple's home and poses as Anna, the last-minute replacement babysitter. They ne- they they never so much as oh oh they've never so much as seen a picture of. I was about to get very angry, though. Anna at first seems <laughs> like the Perfect babysitter. Yeah, it turns out it's not their grammar, it's my vision. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um allowing the kids to do things their parents would never allow them to do. The night quickly takes a turn for the worse when she makes them play a series of increasingly disturbing games. Only a few things tend to be fairly off limits when it comes to horror movies, and one of them is subjecting children to the sort of torment and torture that is typically visited upon adults in the genre. Most filmmakers wouldn't dare make a movie where young kids are the primary target of the villain's madness, but with Emily, Thelen dares to smash even the most off limits of horror taboos, and it's nothing if not a notable film because of his brazenness, I can't not believe you have not watched this yet, Bo. It's children being tortured. How could you not? I,
1: I know. I didn't realize that's really what the movie was about. But now that I've seen that, uh, I can't watch it quickly enough.
2: Yeah. As soon as the blissfully clueless parents exit the house and head out of an on an anniversary date, Emily's figurative claws come out. And Thalen rarely pulls punches in an effort to showcase just how sinister the character is. pitch perfectly played by a devilish bulger, Emily is one of the most memorable horror villains in recent years, inflicting psychological torment on the children in a a way that's altogether more terrifying than anything a hulking brute like Jason Voorhees is capable of. A convincingly responsible babysitter when she needs to be, Emily wields all the power in the world inside the Thompson home and the delight she takes in being a cerebral, assassin is the stuff nightmares are made of i never realized that anyone was filming me when i used to be a nanny <laughs> <laughs> but uh and then of course this does come from bloody disgusting so take that with a grain of salt
0: <laughs> yeah
1: well. right like that is that is just hyperbole the website but yeah it does sound really cool and i i can't believe i haven't watched it yet i i yes. heard it was really good
2: The very website that referred to Automaton Transfusion as the holy grail of horror films. So, there's that. (laughs) I mean,
1: I I feel like at this point making fun of Bloody Disgusting is old hat, but also fuck Bloody Disgusting to a certain extent.
2: Yeah. Uh, Well, speaking of Bloody Disgusting, here's another another story from (laughs) Battle Godzilla in VR. It's in Japan for now. Uh, Let's see, we had Kong in VR last year, and now... After that awesome Comic-Con trailer, we now have Godzilla VR. Well, at least in Japan. The footage, they have some footage. And it's taken from a new VR experience that's headed to Namco Bandai's VR Zone in Osaka. Players are put in a helicopter, a virtual helicopter, mind you. Well... Duh. And tasked with taking <laughs> down Godzilla as he stomps around the city using HT- using an HTC Vibe Pro, you'll find yourself face-to-face with Godzilla's mug. The VR setup also includes flight sticker—no, sorry, flight sticks. So it seems that you'll actually be able to pilot the chopper yourself. The virtual chopper, that is. Uh, from the looks of things, you'll be facing off against Shin Godzilla rather than Legendary's version. Or any of the earlier incarnates. And really, would you want it any other way? Sadly, the footage cheats us out of an epic atomic breath scene. Thankful, NECA has it covered. Unfortunately for us Westerners, it's Japan only right now, but hopefully that changes with King of the Monsters on the way. That could be cool. I love Godzilla. I love VR. So there.
1: Yeah, there are a handful of fun kind of monster simulator VR games that, uh, you know... Put you in the role of Godzilla, um, not Godzilla branded. It's like you know, here's Mod Filla attacking a town.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, but it's you know, those are fun. I I I would, I don't know. I, I think I would almost enjoy it more if if it were that. If it were an official, um, like hey, you get to be Godzilla and and you get to take down, you know. Ghidorah or something but yeah but it's still neat uh I wish they would release that stuff uh here in the good old US of A we like monsters too you you ever
2: see that terrible dinosaur game that was on Steam where you're like or maybe it was Godzilla where you're walking around like smashing buildings but it was really really terrible um Jim Sterling
1: did a playthrough on it and it was hilarious but
2: I think it might have actually been Godzilla.
1: There is a really bad Godzilla game where that happens. Yes.
2: Okay. So that was probably
1: what I'm thinking of. Yeah.
2: All right. Um, Clive Barker's Candyman 2. Mm-mm. That, that, that totally changes the entire story. Clive Barker's Candyman 2 disc Blu-ray loaded with new special features. <laughs> First time I read that, I thought it was Clive Barker's Candyman 2 Blu-ray. Which is a totally different thing. But uh, Scream Factory is proud to announce that they're bringing Bernard Rose and Clive Barker's classic horror story Candyman to Blu-ray in the U.S. and Canada this fall. Presented in a two-disc set loaded with extras and a new transfer of the film. The new design from front-facing cover comes to us from artist Joel Robinson. And the reverse cover will showcase the original theatrical one-sheet concept. If you order directly from Scream Factory, they're offering a deluxe website-exclusive offer where you will not only receive a free 18x24 rolled lithograph of the new Robinson art, they'll include another 18 by 24 poster and alternate slip cover, cover with an entirely different design from artist Laz Marquez. Please note that the deluxe poster and alternate slipcase offer will be made at a limited quantity. However, only 2000 are being produced and they are expected to sell out. The National Street date is planned for November 20th. Bonus features include a new 2K restoration for a new 4K scan of the original negative. New audio commentary with writer-director Bernard Rose and actor Tony Todd. New audio commentary with author Stephen Jones and Kim Newman. Audio commentary with director Bernard Rose, Clive Barker. Nice. Alan Paul and Tony Todd, Virginia Madsen, and Casey Lemons. Okay, that's a nice one. I mean, that was all one commentary. That's very cool. Audio commentary with Bernard Rose, moderated by the movie Crips, Adam Green, and Joe Lynch. Disc two is a new Be My Victim, an interview with Tony Todd. New It Was Always You, Helen, an interview with Virginia Madsen. New, the writing on the wall, the production design of Candyman, an interview with production designer, uh, new Forbidden Flesh, the uh, the makeup effects, a story to tell Clive Barker's The Forbidden, and then New Urban Legend Unwrapped Candyman, a critical analysis of the film with writers Tananariv, D and Steve Barnes, sweets to the sweet, the Candyman myth. Clive Barker Raising Hell, an interview with Clive Barker. Um, Bernard Bernard Rose's storyboards, theatrical trailers, still gallery, and more to be announced. That is, that is damn. This That's, makes
3: me very happy.
2: It does me too. And honestly, it seems to me like they have put more into this than in some of their more recent releases. Because some of the ones that have come out have been, like they have been foregoing like some of the commentaries and stuff like that and kind of irking me um but i mean they still always do a beautiful job and i always love their releases don't get me wrong i mean, i, I, I they're about one of the best things we have going out there as horror fans but this is really uh, really incredible all these new features that's
3: insane yeah absolutely what say you, Bo? Uh,
1: yeah, I, uh, it's been a while <laughs> since I've seen Candyman. I, I'm not as fond of it as a lot of people are. Uh, oh, man, I love it. Yeah, I've you know, i seen it a couple of times, and both times I kind of bounced off of it. I'll go back and watch it again and see if I feel differently. I, I thought it was okay.
2: Well, and you know what's funny is when I was... I was going to say growing up. I was practically grown when the movie came out. But when, <laughs> when, um, when I was younger, I was under the impression that everyone thought it was as much of a classic as I did. And, that you know, to me, it was like top tier. It was up there. It was, you know, uh, Candyman was one of the all-time greatest villains. It was, or, you know, at least in the modern age. I just thought that that was the consensus. And then in, you know, recent years, and I've come to realize that, no, people don't seem to love it as much as I thought they did, and or and not as much as I do. So, which I was really surprised by.
1: Yeah, I I don't I I don't dislike Candyman. I, again, it's been years since I've seen it, and uh, I'll I'll give it another look. But um, yeah, it just was never a thing that uh, I considered a great horror film. I always thought it was a, a pretty good one. But I'm cranky.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I well think that's
1: we know it. that. Yeah.
2: So I think I'm finally done with the news. Did I, did I skip anything?
3: No, there's one last thing.
2: Oh crap! What what? Because I told you I had accidentally closed some links. I thought I got them all back. Just
3: because it relates to one of the things we're covering. Oh well, if do you have it in front of you?
1: If I not, I do. Go back. Uh, okay. Hereditary. <laughs> well, I mean, because
2: I don't. I don't. Oh damn it! That's right. I, I was. I forgot about that one. I was looking forward to that. Okay, go Bo. Hit it.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's that's why I'm in charge of this shit. So, Hereditary uh, is coming to uh, DVD and Blu-ray on September 4th. Uh, the da, 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 Hereditary uh, is going to have behind-the-scenes with cast and crew and a featurette exclusive to the home video uh, entertainment release, offering a revealing account of what it took to create this harrowing tale. Also included in the home entertainment release are nine be- never-before-seen deleted scenes and an evil-in-miniature photo gallery. So you get your deleted scenes, there's a featurette, and a photo gallery. It's going to be available on 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray, digital, and Blu-ray combo pack with a DVD as well.
2: Exciting! September 4th is my grandmother's birthday, which is kind of oddly appropriate for this film, I think.
1: (laughs) Now you know just what to get her.
2: Well, she's dead. I mean, she's been dead, been dead for like 20 years, but apparently that doesn't matter. (laughs) <laughs> you could still give her something. Just I keep still, it on your shelf. She might be in the attic. I don't know. Right.
1: I, actually, the the one upside of a relative dying is the fact that you don't have to buy them stuff anymore.
2: That's true. True story.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, depending on the relative, there can be more than one upside, but that's definitely one of them. <laughs> uh thank you very much, Jamie. Um. All right, folks, it is time for Ask DTP. So, let us dive in to the questions uh you asked of us and uh and here we go so Derek Bourgeois asks if you could make your own killer animal movie, what animal would you use to be your killer uh
2: those would be a bear
1: uh. No, not really. I, there, I I feel like there are enough bear movies out there. I love bear movies. Don't get me wrong. But after seeing Inside the Grizzly Maze, I was like, okay, I, I can live for about another decade if I've got that one to turn to in a pinch. Um, For me personally, I would love to see, a, I don't know that a remake is the right word, but another take on a movie like Tentacles where you got uh, a giant octopus and or squid rolling around grabbing babies out of strollers and whatnot <laughs> if you park them too close to the water uh i mean that movie's got plenty of problems but eating a baby from a stroller ain't one of them oh yeah i would love to see another giant octopus movie i think that would be fantastic uh because they've got the beak you know the the squids do so that's kind of creepy and the you know giant eye and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh well,
2: yeah, and the claws in the tentacles.
1: Right. Yeah. I like there's a lot to be said for a good old fashioned giant squid monster. Um Jamie, what about you? What what animal would, would eat your victims?
2: Well, I would say like the scariest animal of all, but it's already been done, so I guess I won't say bunnies.
1: Oh, I thought you were gonna say man. <laughs> As did I.
2: I was going dumb, <laughs> not deep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bunnies um, is pretty good.
2: I don't know. I don't feel like we've ever had. I mean, like, we've got Cujo for dogs and Willard for rats. And I don't feel like we've ever had a killer cat
1: movie. Um, for, like, yes, we have. The Uninvited. The
2: Uninvited. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's right.
0: Terrible but that,
2: that, that doesn't. Does that, I mean, not like one. I mean, like a horde of.
1: Right. Yeah, like a pack of wild feral cats. Um, I guess the closest you get to that is that Tales from the Dark Side segment with Buster Poindexter. That's just one cat, though.
2: Is that Tales from the Dark? Oh, you mean from the movie? Yeah. Yeah, and I do love that segment.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. Like, Uh, I want
2: that cat to kick his ass, so... um, I don't know. Yeah, pack pack of cats works. So you can even call it that pack of cats
1: pack of cats written and directed by jamie jenkins
2: (laughs) and it's just i'm gonna stand off screen and throw my cats at 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 the victims
1: (laughs) the deadliest pussy of all
0: (laughs) It's
1: low hanging fruit but i'm I'm willing to go for it
3: yeah of course (laughs)
1: Uh, Vanessa, what about you? What what animals would you create double entendres for?
3: Duh, monkeys. I mean, like,
1: <laughs> yeah, they're...
3: I mean, we've got to have more than just shakma or Kong. I mean, it's they're not a they're not a lot of other options. Yeah, I don't count Planet of Eight, Planet of the Apes. That's a a, a different thing, kind of entirely. But oh my goodness. We need some more just monkey nonsense. Monkey business, if you will.
1: <laughs> Is that monkey what you call madness. it? Monkey madness. Monkey madness.
3: I like my alliteration. I do tend to sign my a lot of my emails in like alliteration and it involves monkeys and eggs, usually. So
1: Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and also if you had a good old fashioned chimp involved, you could do the whole like, I'm gonna break the jaw and chew off the wrists.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like get get a little bit scientific with it, but also really gory. I'm on board. Right. I want to see Monkey Madness right now.
3: Monkey Madness.
1: <laughs> all right. Uh,
2: well, see, mine they would like unravel all your yarn and
1: um, uh, unspool get, your toilet unspool paper. your
2: toilet paper. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it'd be really. They would like run off with your key, like your keys and your lighters and stuff, and hide them. Under the couch. it would be terrifying. They would jump on top of the fridge. Yeah, they would... <laughs> lead you to, to death. death. Yes. yeah, horrifying, <sighs> horrifying stuff.
1: Or if you're my cat, wait till you're asleep and lick your nose about 3 a.m. Just to make sure you don't get a good night's sleep. It's <laughs> <laughs> a thing that happens with Tully. Why aren't you awake? I need to be entertained. Uh, okay. So, Andrew Huff asks us, by the way, Friday the 13th, fucking great show uh, here on LegionPodcast.com. Andrew uh, asks us, if you had to choose, what cult would you consider choosing? Um, This speaks to me personally because I have always wanted to start a cult. Of course you have. And that's sort of the grand plan behind (laughs) Legion Podcast as a whole. Is to eventually have everyone wearing, you know, white track suits and sneakers by the end of it. Um, I don't know. I, I assume we're talking about like an existing cult. What would you uh, consider joining, uh, Vanessa? What cult most appeals to you?
3: Now, I'm not someone who do would do well in a cult. Uh, I have problems with um, even the cult of corporate of uh, a corporate job
1: so um well at first but, but then we send you to the re-education center and you're gonna be fine after that
3: no anyway it w- I, my behavior would be problematic anyway i i i think though i because I, I thought about this ahead of time i think though back in the day I could have at least gone to one meeting before I bailed, but I would have bailed on it before things, you know, before the shit went down. But I could see me going to a Jonestown like meeting.
2: Well, like a pre-Jonestown, Jon Jim well, Jones, like, like, like a he, Jim Jones thing, like when he was in the Bay Area yeah, and he was doing his I could stuff. Totally, and, I could totally see myself doing that because like he was you, doing some good shit. Right. You even had
3: like Jane Fonda and people like that who went pretty regularly but it was before he moved everyone down to you know that's what I'm saying he had a lot of good and for me I'd have to it would have to be something for any kind of cult it would have to involve some sort of utopian socialist ideals so I, I, I would just any yeah not necessarily the bible thing I would have a problem with but you know before it went really serious but again yeah I, I I there would have been a point where I'd be like, yeah, I just can't, yeah, no, I'll see you later. bye and went off and did my own thing
1: all right uh yeah I can I can see that also uh uh I, I like the idea of you being eventually just swept up in in things where you're like, you know what guys, we really need to go to Guyana. Has anyone talked to Jim about this? I feel like <laughs> you would be the spark. <laughs>
3: Um, yeah, I would be the one telling everybody we need to move out of the country.
1: Right, like things are getting a little, a little shaky here. The government's really getting on our backs. Fuck those guys. Let's start our own commune. You
3: might you might not be wrong with that either.
1: <laughs> See, I'm. I don't think I am really. Um, Jamie, what about you? What cult uh, tickles your cultish fancy?
2: Well, honestly, the the thing is, is uh, I have been a. Well, i'm not a fan. that's the farthest word from it, I guess. But I have been fascinated by Jim Jones for uh, since I was a kid I've always found the story fascinating, and then, like the more of the, you find out about the beginnings of it, it's kind of easy to see how people got roped into it, and basically his cult of and, personality was very strong
3: and how as many
2: people got roped into yeah. it. Yeah, and in the beginning, they were doing some actual, you know, they were doing some good things, and it was all about, I I love the fact that it was all about diversity, and, you know, it just, to me, like, without looking behind the scenes of his crazy-ass syphilitic self, um, you you know, you look at just just what was being presented, and I can understand that. However, I know I would have gotten out before we went to Guyana, because I don't like being dirty, (laughs) <laughs> and i don't like to share so <laughs> like <laughs> socialism is not really a thing that interests me because i'm just like you know i don't know i feel like if i work for something i want it and if you want something you work for it too and and i'm not and i don't mean like that i'm not a cruel person. I'm not, a, I don't walk up to homeless people and tell them to get a job. You know, I don't do that sort of thing because I understand that there are circumstances and, and that just because someone is on bad times does not mean that they're a bad, lazy person. But what I mean is I'm not, I I don't have any interest in like living on a farm and having nothing, you know, <laughs> and just, you know, I can't, I can't do that. Like I, I'm too attached to my modern day conveniences so that wouldn't happen
3: and, and that's exactly why i couldn't actually move right uh, nowhere is it, that i would i would be i could be into like let's move kind of away but that's way too far away yeah <laughs> I, I mean like to, if you want to move me
2: like 20 minutes from a walmart <laughs> oh god then i could do that and i fucking hate walmart <laughs> like i don't go to walmart but, um, like, you know, if you move me out away from things slightly, then, okay, maybe we could talk. But you're not fucking moving me to uh, South America I and mean, like, you know, here you go. Now build this and grow this and drink this, <laughs> especially not that part.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs>
2: I don't know. I, I think I am though, honestly with you, Bo, I have always fancied myself as more of a cult leader than a cult follower. And it's something that I have actually thought about. I mean, not on a very serious level, but I'm like, you know, I wonder how hard it would be to start a cult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why couldn't I be an apple white of the world?
3: <laughs> See, and that is exactly it. I went to Montessori school as a kid <laughs> And I feel all about the sharing, and that's why I could never be a cult leader. (laughs) See, Montessori school is, like, a cult to me.
2: Like, that's some weirdness. I don't understand it. (laughs) I knew kids who went to Montessori school, and it didn't make
3: any sense to me. It just wasn't normal. Well, I learned some very good things there and had a good education anyway.
2: Well, no, I imagine <laughs> I imagine that you did. But this is also coming from the mind of a, through the filtered, like, filtered through the mind of a child.
3: I know. And, you know. I know. We were the weird kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. That would be part of the reason I was tortured when I came to a, quote, unquote, regular school in fourth grade. <laughs>
1: yeah. Fan of Jim Jones, says <laughs> Jamie Jammons. Uh, Jimmy Jammons. Jimmy J. Sammons. Uh, Jamie Jammons, uh, as we've established, um, I would go Scientology just because it might help my career some.
2: That is the truth, man, and apparently you live forever. Look at Tom Cruise.
1: Well, yeah, but there is part of me that feels genuinely bad for Tom Cruise because most of his movies of late have underperformed and it, it, you know, it's just the inevitable decline of a movie star, right? Like at a certain point. You're not the the guy that was in, you know, the original Mission Impossible and Interview with the Vampire and all that stuff. Like, Top Gun, all that shit. Like, at, at a certain point, you become an old man. And he hasn't yet reached the point where he, he's going to show up in movies playing somebody's dad. But we're, we're... Our grandfather. But we're right around the corner from that. And... There's part of me that feels bad for him, uh, as, as nutty as he, he may or may not be, uh, that it's always sad when, you know, you realize that the world is kind of moving on without you, that, yeah, you, you were the biggest movie star on the planet at one time, and that's just not true anymore, because other people go, come along, taste change, he's got a long history of weird shit in his past that gives him some baggage as well, um, yeah, it's kind of a shame, but, uh, you know, I'll I'll diminish my Thetans or whatever the fuck I got to do to get a little cheddar from Hollywood.
2: Uh, the more I learn about that, because I've been paying attention to... What's her face? Uh, re, uh, re, Leah Remini. Lit, Leah Remini, yeah. Um, Back when I was working the night shift, that... Uh, that would always be on in the break room just because like somebody would be watching something before they left for the evening and they would just leave it on that channel and it would be on.
3: So when it's I would like go a back train wreck, you can't yeah, It walk away. is when
2: you I would go back to the away. break. You can't. When I would go back from my break room in the middle of the night, she'd be up there talking about like Phaetans and shit. And I would just get sucked in. And I'm like, I, you know, but the more I learn about it, like the scarier it is. Like at first I was like, Hey, these Hollywood people seem to be doing well. What's so wrong with that? You know, John Travolta made a huge comeback and it's not like he's not crazy. Right. Hey, I'm thinking Z crazy,
1: over here.
2: Crazy bank right now. But I mean, he, you know, he, his rebirth career lasted for a while. Tom Cruise kind of never stopped. Chef was an interesting character. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, hey, maybe it's not so bad. And then, like, the more I learn about it, the freakier and scarier it sounds. To me, it almost kind of sounds worse than, like, a death cult. Yeah,
1: um, like, where's yeah. David Miscavige's wife again?
2: Uh-huh. Right, and, right. Yeah.
0: Why
2: so at least, about like, it? the Jim yeah. Joneses of the world, they laid it out on the front lawn, you know. Mm-hmm. And everyone knew how that ended up. Uh, with this one, it's so much more secretive and mysterious, and, and to me, frankly more
3: frightening. This has the financial angle, which makes yes. it also more frightening because that's more powerful
2: that's in the absolute... world as a whole. Yeah, that's true. Would Skull and Bones count as a cult? Uh, or is that just like it's,
3: a
1: club? Yeah, thing? it's secret society. It's kind of a it's different a cult animal. cult
3: light. <laughs> they right. want to be, but they're just not. right.
1: If, if you are not doing something that requires specific dress... <laughs> then you're definitely not in a cult okay you know if it's just like hey put on a nice suit you know over here Johnson we're going to carve up America for our financial well-being how does that sound uh, that's more skull and bones as opposed to children children don't don't cry you know as Jim Jones is uh, handing out the cool oh,
2: mothers mothers oh, help your children that's right help your oh. children you know and I'm yes. like oh my god I know oh. That is the most, anyone out there, by the way, who has not ever listened to the audio of Jim Jones, yeah, Final those Hours.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it, it's on YouTube.
3: And yeah.
2: uh, it's super easy to find. And it is some of the most disturbing stuff you will ever hear. And if you aren't familiar Absolutely. with Absolutely. this story, then I, I think you're missing out on something that's really interesting. It's It's one of my favorite horrible moments in history. <laughs>
3: Yes, I no, agreed those. agreed
1: <laughs> I would recommend <laughs> uh, the last podcast on the left did a great examination of Jonestown it was a couple of episodes I think really yeah worth I think it was time. three
3: or something yeah, yeah. it's really
1: good what, there are
3: also several
2: movies out there um, there's a book that mm-hmm. is good um, I mean just yeah it's yeah. A, a lot of documentaries yeah. it's fascinating shit man it, that, it and
1: truly is it, and, and horrifying but at, at the end of it uh it it really is one of those things of like man this just got this was always dancing on on the pinhead of going horribly wrong and once it does boy it's just as wrong as it could go
3: yeah Um,
2: Uh, which is honestly why i had issue with ty west's the sacrament not that I think it in and of itself is a bad film. I, I think it's really well-made. I think it's it's well-done because I really don't believe Ty West knows how to do a, a film that isn't well-made unless it's a short film, then not so good. But I, I feel like it underplays because it's very clearly modeled after Jonestown. I mean, you just can't escape that. Yet nowhere in it is there mention of that, and nowhere does he concede that that's actually where it came from. So one of the problems I had with that was that younger people who didn't know about Jonestown were under the impression this was an original idea, which pissed me off. Two, I feel like his version is so much less scarier and horrifying than what actually happened, just because I'm like, I watched this movie, and yeah, okay. But then, like, you know what really happened, and you're like, oh, shit. So... I kind of feel like if you're going to make a fictional version of something and you have room to play around with it, why not make it scarier?
1: Yeah, I I agree. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: John Rhodes asks us, what film are you most looking forward to seeing right now? Uh, Jamie, what are you looking forward to seeing right now?
2: This is going to be so stupid, but I am actually at this very moment, I'm looking forward to seeing Unfriended
1: Dark Web. That totally my and, answer as well. Yeah,
2: and Brian won't take me to see it. <laughs> he doesn't want to see it.
1: I I oh liked goodness. Unfriended. Uh, I, thought I that, did too. I thought that was a better than expected movie, and I I the reviews Absolutely. on this have been good.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what I think too. Now, if I and if it turns out not to be that great, then whatever. But I am. That's you know what I'm looking forward to seeing. I'm like okay, I'm down with that because I really did enjoy the first one.
1: Did I talk to you guys about seeing Friend Request?
3: Yes. Oh, fuck that that, movie. So, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Interestingly,
2: before that got a wide release, we actually watched it on Netflix months and months and months before it came out in the theater. And so they pulled it from Netflix because they decided to do this theatrical release. And we're sitting in the theater to watch something. I don't remember why we were there, but suddenly the trailer for Friend Request comes up, and I was like, I turned around, and I'm like, haven't we seen this movie? Like, I feel like we've seen this movie. And then it's, you know, you go through the trailer, and then, you know, it's like Friend Request, and I'm like, F- we fucking saw this movie on Netflix! <laughs> Who are they trying to kid? I just thought that was the weirdest thing. You know, like, they made it available, and then they just rip. and I guess maybe there was, like, a small window before they decided to give it a theatrical release, so... Maybe a lot of people didn't get a chance to see it, and we just happened to stumble upon it in the time that it was out. But I thought that was so bizarre, and it wasn't that good. So I'm like, why are you even bothering? I was kind of disappointed with that film. Not kind of. I was pretty, <laughs> I was pretty disappointed with that film. I think it ended up being very mediocre, which I kind of like the whole. I'm okay with doing like the whole you know horrors of social media thing. Like I'm. I'm okay with that. Like, I like it when horror grabs on to what's going on around us in society. That's one of the things I've always loved about horror is that you can tell what's going on in society whenever the the picture comes out because what is it about? And and frequently that's a thing. And, and I like when – I mean, hell, the Japanese have been doing it with technological stuff like horrors of technology for a very long time. I dig it. <clears throat> so I'm okay with it. I'm on board with that. And but not when you do something stupid with it. Like what was the, like dot what the fuck was that dot...
1: fear.com?
2: Yes.
0: Yes. Oh Ugh.
2: my god. I mean, I can that name that a, shitty
1: movie in one word.
2: That is a <laughs> that is a fucking great title, I think for when it came out. You know, I'm like you have just nailed a timely title. And then you fucked it up because you didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, they had right. no idea what they wanted to do with that film. And I never saw Dot Dot Kill. But I actually thought that sounded sounds very cool. And, but I've never seen it.
1: It's but, the most um, horrifying game of Duck Duck Goose you've ever played.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's funny because when I said it, when it came out of my mouth out loud, I was like, what does that remind me of? And that was it.
1: <laughs> I know. So, Vanessa... What what film are you most looking forward to seeing right now?
3: I, well, I would as well like to see the Unfriended, Twitter, Dark Web one. But actually right now in New York there is a Hammer Film Festival that's focusing on like 1968 to 1976. And I'm supposed to be going to see a couple different ones. And so I'm all excited that I'll get to see lust for a vampire and to a Ooh. devil, a daughter on the big screen. So nice. nice. I'm getting. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like it's the small things that make me happy.
1: <laughs> Little pleasures are the best. Um, Jason Dennison asks us, uh, did Godzilla, did the Godzilla King of monsters trailer finally make up for the 98 Godzilla. So I can stop apologizing to Japan in general for it. Um, I will answer initially and say nothing will ever heal that wound. All we can do is move past it. Uh, John also adds to that we have to make up for the last one, too. I'm not as down on the the most recent Godzilla. I, I think it's a little light on the Godzilla stuff, but I, I think it's a far sight better than that 98 film. But uh, um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what the, the end product is, Uh, but... You know, I think their their heads in the right place, and it's uh, you know Mike Doherty, of Trick or Treat fame, uh, bringing Godzilla King of King of Monsters to uh, to the screen, and I'm I'm totally down for that. So, um, I mean, does does it make up for it? No, nothing ever will, is my opinion. Uh, Vanessa, what say you?
3: <sighs> You're the Godzilla expert, not me, and nothing. Yeah, well. Yeah, nothing makes up for that Godzilla atrocity.
1: Man, that is a rotten, rotten film. Uh, it's rough. It's rough. It's it's, and so I bad.
3: love bad movies. Nope. Yeah, I Can't do, do too.
1: But you know, let's leave out the racism, shall we? Uh, oh, yeah. That that film employs in in I mean, that's just an Amerrick trademark at this point of like, hey, what's a what's the sassy black character have to say about this? You're like, ugh! Can we just leave this trope alone forever? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Jamie, what about you? Uh, have have has the rift been healed?
2: You know what? I have never seen the '98 Godzilla.
1: Oh, you're living in a world you have been spared. I,
2: well, at the time, everyone was complaining about it, so I never bothered, and I still haven't bothered. And I also haven't still I haven't gotten around to seeing the trailer yet either. So I had it queued I up a while ago, and we got distracted, and I never watched it.
3: Yeah, I haven't seen the trailer, but you know what? That '98 <laughs> Godzilla, Oi, oh, it's so painful! It's so painful.
1: Man, I gotta tell you, in the new trailer, and you guys should watch it on when we take our next break. But the kind of reveal of Mothra in that trailer was a thing of pure joy for me. Mhm. Um yeah, it's just it that looks great. There's some Rodan, there's some King Ghidorah. Uh there's 11 from Stranger Things. Like the plot looks incredibly stupid. But yeah, I'm that's looking fine. forward
2: to this movie though like I, I am loving this whole idea. Like from the moment we saw Kong Skull Island and you kind of got the impression that all of the, like this whole universe thing was happening. I was ecstatic.
1: When they eventually get to King Kong versus Godzilla, if they don't have King Kong being doped by the red berries of the, of Skull Island, we're really missing an opportunity. Cause that's my favorite thing about the, you know, Toho, king kong versus godzilla is that king <laughs> kong is just a junkie just looking for a fix <laughs> it's great all right john uh is back with a, a question that is sure to test our metal. if devour was to host a last drive-in what would your films be so the way we're gonna do this Ooh. is we're gonna pick six movies all right uh, i'll i'll suggest one right now uh because the idea right is that they're kind of cheesy a little b movie a little fun uh i can't stress enough that winter beef should be on this list
2: does now do we each get two if you're doing it that way or do we all have to decide on the six i mean do we all have to agree
1: uh i, I let's just pick two per person because otherwise okay. we'll be here all night so It'll I'll be like I'll, a
2: fucking teapot show.
1: You're right. We'll 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 round robin this. I'm gonna say Winter Beast. Vanessa, what would you put on this list?
3: Um, Piranha.
1: Original yeah. Piranha. The original oh, okay. one. Okay.
3: The original one.
1: All right. Oh, that's a that's a real fine choice, uh, Jamie.
2: Well, since Joe Bob stole my tourist trap, which would actually have been on my as one of my choices, I will go my bloody Valentine.
1: Alright, nice. I'm gonna go Demon Wind.
0: Oh, yuck.
1: Oh, it's so good.
0: <laughs>
2: Fuck
1: that movie is good. What? It's got magic ninjas. What more do you want out of a film?
2: <laughs> Less magic ninjas.
1: Uh, you're I I that's not the world <laughs> I wanna live in. Uh <laughs> Vanessa, what about you?
3: Uh, uh I'm skip me. <laughs> All right, we'll
1: come back to you, Jamie. You have
3: to come back me. I will say,
1: the burning. All right, all right. I'm,
3: um, I'm
2: very. I'm feeling very slashery here.
1: Yeah, apparently so. Uh, and I, whereas my choices are all just like these movies are inexplicably terrible but completely wonderful. Uh, Vanessa, have you come up with one?
3: I think I would have to go with Kingdom of the Spiders.
1: Oh, another good Ooh, one.
3: That's a good
1: one. Oof! I like this list. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know,
3: you got some Shatner in there too to make it just like an extra whole layer of, yeah, yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really good
1: one right there. Yeah. Oh, and that ending is so good. Uh, oh, Kingdom of the Spiders is good shit. Um, all right, that is it for uh, our questions this nope, month. It's not. Oh, no shit. Nope. All right.
3: Oh, nope. just in <laughs> as we we're recording. <laughs> Sent to me from a Mr. Darren Wilson. (laughs) Who's that?
1: Not familiar, but go on.
3: Yeah, that, that is some joker. I don't know. He says, which often reviled most hated installment of a series, excluding Halloween 3, which is finally getting less shit, deserves a renaissance. Jamie. Oh, man. See, I thought the question was going in a different direction,
2: and I was ready but then when he said deserves a renaissance that threw me off. Um, so I don't know because all the ones that like I would, that I've always championed are actually kind of like Friday five people shit on that for a long time while I was over. while I was like, you know, it's people still getting killed by someone who looks like Jason. You don't know the difference until the end. Shut your, shut your baby face. That's what.
1: Right. And it's um, got the great "Ooh baby song that I like quite a bit. It does.
2: It does. Um, but that one actually, you know, has been getting a lot of love uh, in recent years, so come back to me.
1: All right, I'll give you mine. Mine's, <laughs> okay. a, mine's an easy pick. It's uh, sure. also from the Friday series, but Jason X. That movie's I've
2: always liked that one.
1: Yeah, that movie's great. It is as dumb as the rest of the series is, but it, it leans into it in a way that I adore.
2: Yeah, I really do enjoy that. But I still have when I went opening night, we got posters at the theater and I st- I have that poster I'm looking at it right now framed on my living room
1: wall. So I always like that movie. Yeah. It's I mean it's gory, it's stupid, it's funny. David Cronenberg shows up yeah, for man. two minutes. It's Yes. There's nothing wrong. With that. Yeah. It if you want a good party movie, throw on Jason X. Every time you look at the screen, something fucking bizarre is happening. <laughs> what about you, uh V? I
3: would say it um Maybe he does doesn't necessarily deserve a renaissance, but deserves less hatred is actually Seed of Chucky. know <laughs> mm, <laughs> yeah. it's a an unpopular opinion. I, I'm very aware of that. But and there are elements of what I enjoy about it that I think Bride of Chucky does so much better and that make Bride of Chucky a good movie. Like but I don't think I don't think that Cedar Chucky needs to receive as much hatred as it gets. It's completely campy, and you have to embrace the camp. And once you do just enjoy that and yeah, that's the, that's the way you have to take that movie. And once you just have fun with it again, something you throw on the background, I don't watch it. Like I said, as much as I watch like Bride of Chucky, like Bride of Chucky actually has other things going for it that make it a better like a good movie in my opinion. But <laughs> Cedar Chucky doesn't it doesn't deserve the yeah, the hatred that it gets.
2: You know, I uh I have not seen Plus that you film. get the John
3: Waters cameo, so you know. Oh, sure. Yeah, right.
2: well do I which I I love and I still, this one of my favorite things from the trailer, but I, I haven't seen that film since I originally saw it. I've seen it twice and that was pretty much back to back like when it first came out. Right. I remember thinking it was hilarious at the time. Like just yeah. really loving it and because it leaned into all the shit and mm-hmm. I was I thought that was great. Cuz it was obviously campy but you clearly it was supposed to be, you know. So I didn't have any issue with that and I've been meaning to watch it again since mm-hmm. people have been especially with like the resurgence of that series and people have been talking like ranking them here and there and talking about how much oh they love the whole thing except for bride and seed and I would never had a problem with bride and I was just like I I remember really liking it at the time like just really having fun with it you know so I really would like to go back and watch it and see exactly uh how I'd feel about it now so many years
3: later and it's so queer oh my goodness it's so queer (laughs) like that's the thing that yeah not a lot of people talk about it. <laughs> well, and that's true <laughs> um, I mean
2: the pride is as well though, yeah, I've got one by the way, and it's kind of funny because when I said I thought his question was going in a different direction, I thought it was just basically going to be you know name a film and a series that you think it's hate and doesn't deserve it, you know, like what what's a film in a series that you love that everybody else hates? My answer for that was going to be Texas chainsaw three d Because I love that movie and nobody else does. But then when he said, you know, Renaissance, I was like, oh, well, that kind of implies that it has to be more than like two years old. So um, (laughs) (laughs) I can't really. Oh, actually, that that film, I think is like four or five years old at this point. But it and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What am I going to do? Well, then it hit me. It's in the same goddamn series. And it's Texas Chainsaw 3, uh, Leatherface. And everybody shits all over that movie. I don't care. I think it's fun. We've got Vigo Mortensen as just this kick-ass villain. I, I think it's very quotable. Ken Foray is in it. It's. I had a lot of fun with that movie. I really, really love it. And I even used it when I was doing vagina monologues a couple years ago. I know that sounds, <laughs> that sounds like a weird, I know.
0: Hmm.
2: I know. I know. You're like, where the fuck can you be going with that, you know? Sure. Okay. I, please do tell. I was, <laughs> when I was doing vagina monologues, I was doing this particular monologue about.
3: Shoot. I don't remember now which one it was. Well, uh, let's be but honest. Your I vagina know. was doing the monologue. Well, that's true.
2: Uh, it was about, um, I don't know, some traumatized woman. I don't remember which one it was specifically, but you know, <laughs> that was, that's the idea. And, um, I was attempting to think of, uh, like inspiration, you know, an acting inspiration. And I actually pulled from the girl that we see that's kind of wandering in the forest in that film. And she's just like off her rocker.
0: Mm-hmm. And she
2: just sort of stares off in the distance. And she's talking like she's kind of babbling. And she's lost her mind, basically. And she's talking about how she ate a rat, you know, raw and all this stuff. And she's been trying to stay away from this family. And anyway, it's it's I actually pulled from that performance. And the director was like, she was like almost in tears. She's like, I can't even look at you right now. That was so amazing. And I'm like, really? Because my inspiration was Texas Chainsaw Massacre (laughs) 3. (laughs) Which I thought was just the best thing ever. But anyway, I've always loved it. I wish people would, you know, I don't know, give it a try. We have that really, what I think is a very touching speak and spell moment where <laughs> the, it's a picture of a clown and it's clearly supposed to be clown, but he keeps putting in food. Um, yes, it's on the nose. It is. But there's something I've always kind of liked about that. So, anyway, that's mine. Leatherface.
1: All right. Um, You know, a couple of those choices are pretty good. Um...
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> shut up. Yes, mine and Vanessa's.
1: Oh, feisty. <laughs> I like it. Uh, All right. So, folks, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we do, we're going to come back and talk about two movies. One of them is uh, the uh, listener-recommended film as chosen by the the cruel and occasionally kind um, Wheel of Devour. Uh, That would be Paco Plaza's Veronica from last year. And, uh, and then, no fooling, guys, we're going to be talking about Hereditary. Uh, both these uh, reviews are going to contain spoilers. You have been warned. Uh, so we will take a quick break right here, and we'll be back with uh, a couple of uh, movies about families going fucking crazy. You're traveling through another dimension. Mention of not only film and sound, but mind. A journey into an auditory movie review adventure that must be experienced to be believed. The signpost up ahead, your next stop, The Doomsday Clock. You can extract the Witch versus The Doomsday Clock podcast by either searching for WYCH on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, the SoundCloud. Tune in and on your Android device, which versus the Doomsday Clock is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. So prepare yourself. The podcast ice is gonna break. Folks, uh.
0: Go, the boat w- hunting! <sighs> <laughs> Sorry. <sighs>
1: The Wheel of Devour has turned once more and most recently landed on 2017's Veronica, uh, one of the most popular Elvis Costello songs of all time. Uh, the movie was directed by Paco Plaza of Wreck 1, 2, and 3 fame. And the synopsis goes Madrid, 1991, which I like a synopsis that just begins with a, a <laughs> time and place. Madrid! Madrid. Sicily. (laughs) Dateline Madrid, 1991. Uh, A teen girl finds herself besieged by an evil supernatural force after she played Ouija with two classmates. Um, It is brief. It is to the point. It is accurate. Vanessa, what did you make of Veronica, the Netflix exclusive, I want to say? Didn't they pick that up uh, as an exclusive film to them?
3: I don't know if they did or not.
1: Yeah, maybe not. Maybe it, it was, uh, but it, it kind of launched that discussion. It definitely
3: premiered on there. I it believe. premiered at least on there, but I don't know if it's exclusive to them.
1: Yeah, they they had. Uh, there were a number of articles following the release of Veronica. Of like, this is one of the scariest movies on Netflix, and people couldn't finish it. And uh, yeah, all and co- the Exorcist
2: for a new generation. Sure,
1: sure. Uh, but but Vanessa, how did how did Veronica, uh, strike you or enter you via the mouth?
3: Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, I, I had heard actually a, a specific amount of that hype, I guess, ahead of time. And I'm one of those people I always try to, like, t- you know, t- take everything with a grain of salt because everybody has their own tastes, even people that we usually agree with. So, I don't know, I saw this, I enjoyed it, but I do think it was overhyped. But, so, that said, (laughs) get that out of the way, I, I thought it had a lot going for it. There was more, there was definitely a lot more that I enjoyed than I didn't. It just, it felt like there were a lot of little things that were just so like, recycled. Uh, like, for instance, the thing with whatever entity, spiritual entity, communicating through the little, the the toy, electronic Simon, whatever, all I could think of was Paranormal Activity, the marked ones. Like, <laughs> it's just... I was like, hmm, somebody saw that movie mm-hmm. that wasn't that great. Uh, why would you... I, and you've seen plenty of other... Ouija movies or or possession, whatever entity, poltergeist type movies where something is entered through the portal of a, a Ouija board that use electronic devices or things that run on batteries. But it just seemed the way it was done kind of seemed way too similar. And I couldn't get that out of my head. And I'm like, why did you just there are other things you could have taken it from that. I don't know. It seemed. Maybe it was just me thinking of that, but it seemed like the, like I said, seemed like the director was like, I, hmm, I just saw that movie. Let me put that in here. Um, and I, I, <laughs> so when I take notes I for movies I watch, I will just scribble things. And so sometimes they don't necessarily make sense. And I, have to, I had to laugh because... What I meant to write was about the fact that they set this around an eclipse and how there's this, all these different spiritual demonic or type events happen around eclipses or have throughout history. And that's a very important part of this. And I wrote, meant to write down in my notes, eclipses. It always has some it always comes back to sacrifice. But instead what I wrote was ellipses. So apparently I have a problem with punctuation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> punctuation. And that's maybe also it it kind of like seemed like there were parts of this that could have flowed better. <laughs> so I was like, that was a metaphor. That was just kind of how I was feeling about the movie. But Like I said, I enjoyed it a lot. I just felt that there were... You were there at at points where you knew it was supposed to be a spiritual kind of entity that had entered, but then it was kind of like, well, could it be aliens? You know, I mean, like, the way that the spiritual, whatever, demons are visually portrayed is much more like you would typically see something out of an alien abduction kind of thing. Which I thought was an interesting way to go with it. But, I mean, it could also you could also say it goes along the lines of like a Slender Man or something like that. But uh, for some reason I associate them more with alien type stuff. So I thought that could have been an interesting way to go with it if they kind of chosen a more go that route. But you know, it wasn't that. So, I don't know. Like I said, it I, I enjoyed it a lot, but I just felt like it borrowed too much in things where and it missed some opportunities to push itself farther than it did.
1: All right. Well, uh, Jamie, Vanessa says it's old hack. Uh, no, I'm not
3: saying it's <laughs> hack. I'm just saying it has a couple moments, but... A little like that, though. Uh,
1: J- Jamie, what about you? Uh, how, where do you come down on Veronica? I
2: mean, I don't think she's wrong. I, the the first time that I watched this film, which was when it came out, and everyone's losing their fucking minds about it. Immediately, anytime I hear any like a new film, it's either coming or uh, has hit, and it's like uh, the talk of the town. I pester Brian until we see it. <laughs> because uh, and if he's not as excited as I am which a lot of times he is uh because we just always want to always want to watch new like as soon as something new comes out I want to see it so we immediately jumped on this one and I did enjoy it I did and and I think that it's a very well done film because here's the thing it's like I don't feel like we saw anything new but I feel like what he did he did really well and so even though I don't think any new ground was broken, and we have seen some things that we've seen in a lot of other possession films or or films of this sort of nature, I don't, I wasn't mad about that. It's kind of like when I watch, brace yourself though, it's kind of like when I watch a James Wan haunted house film. I don't think he necessarily does anything we haven't seen before. I just think he does it really fucking well. So Paco Plaza here, I don't think he tread any new, like, he didn't blaze any trails with this. But I feel like it was very competent. It was really well done. There was some really good imagery here, some good ideas. I love the fact that it involved the eclipse. I always think that's cool when you bring in some sort of astral influence. Uh, I think that the Smoking Nun was creepy as fuck. Like, I really dig that character. And there were things that I enjoyed, for sure. I just didn't, when I, I didn't walk away from it going, wow, I have never seen anything like that before. You know, I really, I came away from it going, wow, that was really good, but we have seen all of that before. So, I mean, that's really my biggest beef with it, is, oh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. But it was just, you know, a more of, the, like, really well-done version of stuff we've already seen.
1: Yeah, I I think we might be all of, of sort of the same mind about this movie, which is it is a really well-directed film. Uh, I think the apartment is fucking rad. I, just from a real estate point of view, uh, I was like, man, that is a cool <laughs> apartment. Um, I wish I lived in that place. I mean, aside from all the demonic activity and whatnot um yeah i i do think that it it pulls from a lot of a lot of different story- uh sources obviously this is based on a a true story um and and more so than we usually see in that uh it when, when a movie says like oh this is based on a, a true story usually that means like oh a thing like this kind of happened once sort of Whereas this is right. much more directly pulled from a case from, uh, uh, the girl's name was Estefania Lazaro, and it, it really is a compelling real-life story that, that has some truly unsettling and, and inexplicable uh, elements wasn't, to it.
2: Wasn't the, some of the dialogue directly lifted from... Um... Like, the, like from the, the case history, like like the 911 call or, or – I apologize to Spanish people, whatever the Spanish version of that is. Sure.
1: Um, Emergency services, whatever that happens yes, to be. Th- yes. Yeah. Thank
2: you. Thank you. It does have a name. Um, <laughs> um, wasn't like some of that actual transcript – like from actual transcripts or did I make that up?
1: I, I believe that's correct. Certainly the photographs at the end of the movie are the actual photographs from the crime scene or from the, okay. the police investigation. So
2: I do really – I really do enjoy that aspect of it, you know. And I mean I mean, I enjoy the whole thing. That's the thing is I, I – it's really good. It just – you know – uh, I don't see how anyone was unable to finish it. That part sure. I don't believe. You know, yeah. I'm like I don't buy it. Well, so. and, and
1: also none of us are particularly religious – so, you know, if, there is a level on which this movie operates for people who who have a lot of religious faith that I think we're not gonna... It's not gonna land for us the same way.
2: Well, I mean, that's true to an extent, but I, even though I I am not religious, I still can, for whatever reason, religious horror films scare the shit out of me. And... I think it's just because I was raised Baptist. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else to do with that. But like The Exorcist, um, The Exorcist 3 in particular, scares the crap out of me. And do I believe that? It, no. But it for whatever reason, it works. It, it works on me really hard. And so mm. usually things with a religious bent tend to have like a, a foothold. Like, or, you know, at least a foot in the door when it comes to getting under my skin. But um, it didn't, I just, I just didn't find it scary. But, I mean, maybe as I'm getting older, that's loose, you know, that is loosing its grip. So maybe that is part of it.
0: Yeah. Maybe
2: as I'm getting older, like more mature, and, and I'm getting farther and farther away from that upbringing, maybe it is having less of a grip, you know. So, you know, that that could easily be true. I don't know. I'd have to do some deep soul searching.
1: Um, yeah, don't do oh, that. Oh, but I
2: don't believe in souls, so. Yeah, I,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I I think that, I, I mean, we're, we're all seasoned veterans of horror films here, so it, it takes a special movie to really unsettle and, and scare us, I think and i don't think this movie ever approaches any of that i think it's really good as we've all said it and we're almost damning it with faint praise but it is it it does feel somewhat routine uh in terms of the storytelling it is uh, the reveal at the end uh is not terribly surprising you know it it, it feels like the movie is trying to get you with like a an aha sort of moment in the film, but it feels obvious that this is the direction we've been heading the entire time. And but there are also these incredibly nice artistic touches throughout the film. Like there's uh the, the recurring image of the painting where a, a deer is being chased by wolves. And There is all this wolf imagery throughout, like at one point you see the picture and the deer is gone uh, towards the end of the film to suggest, of course, that the wolves have now won. And in fact, you know, Veronica at the end of the film is wearing a shirt with a wolf on it and very uh, pointedly saying, yes, she has become the predator now. And, and there's some, you know, some fun, creepy moments there. There's a great scene where she believes that she has seen this entity and they're kind of stalking through the house and circling this apartment, uh, trying to avoid it. That I think is really well done. Uh, The child actors are all genuinely good. uh, Especially uh, Sandra Escasina, I think is how you pronounce her name, uh, who plays Veronica she is is quite good in the film. Um, it's it's one of those movies that I feel like does everything right. It just doesn't do anything exceptional. And and it, it's a fun watch. It's you know right. a, a pretty breezy hour forty five. It, it it has a nice pace to it. Special shout out to as you said, Sister Death, who is an awesome character. <laughs> Uh, any any time that you have a character in a movie, uh, by the way, uh, played by Consuelo Trujillo, I believe. Uh, again, the pronunciation, forgive me. Uh, as Hermana Muerte, and I I think that she's great. I th- I think anytime you have that character in a movie that is sort of there for exposition, which she certainly is. I I, I like it when you give it a little bit of flavor as opposed to just vincent d'onofrio showing up on a laptop (laughs) to tell you the skinny on things oh Uh,
2: my lord
1: you know i mean i've Uh, i've I've got plenty of time for things about the movie sinister that is one of the least of them um but yeah it's it's a really good satisfying possession film it's just not remarkable other than it's, it's completely competent and well done and, and, you know, Paco Plaza knows how to put together a movie, uh, has done so a number of times and I enjoy almost all of them. Um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's frustrating because you kind of want it to be better than it is in a way. It's, it, but there's nothing wrong with it other than I just wish this were more surprising
2: yes i I mean you nailed it right there that's the thing is is you you want it to be more i mean i want it for i want that for the film and so kind of makes me sad in that respect because i think it deserves to be better does that make any sense or not better it's not that it's bad it deserves to be more original i don't know
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, I wish there was something in it that I felt like I hadn't seen before or hadn't seen in a, a specific way or something. And yeah. and it just none of that ever happens. But it's yeah, it's 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 good. Uh it's really good. And it's worth yeah, your time.
3: Because you get moments like that where okay, it doesn't seem like there's anything you've seen before necessarily as far as the action goes, but then you'll all of a sudden get something like her the uh, Veronica characters, like nightmare scene where she's got two of the little kids like feasting on her wrists, and that ends with her getting her period in this way that looks like one of Frida Kahlo's miscarriage paintings. <laughs> you know, I mean seriously, the imagery in that, I was like, that's immediately the, what I thought of, the way it was done. It was gorgeous. And I, and it was, and it made it chilling, you know, a little bit, but that's such a fleeting moment. I mean, I feel like it could have, you saw these moments like that and I feel like, why wasn't, why didn't you see more of like, more of the film like that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. Uh, All right. Well, let's, uh, let's rate this one up. Uh, As always, we are using a five-star scale. Half stars are allowed. No quarter stars. We are not monsters.
3: Um, One of these days, you're going to let me use a quarter star.
1: Never. Uh, Jamie, (laughs) one to five, what do you think Veronica deserves?
2: Uh, Are we allowing tenth of the stars? No,
1: you know the rules.
2: (laughs) Oh. Uh, well, I'm teetering between a 3.5 and a 4. I can't remember what I initially gave it the very first time we saw it. I guess I will push it to a 4 because what it does do, like I said, it does really, really well. So I, I can I can give it that much. I will say a 4. Although I really kind of want to knock it back a little for not being more original. But
1: uh, Right, 4. but you get into this discussion of like, d- do I do I criticize a movie for what it isn't other than what it is? And, and that is true. It's a question that I wrestle with too. So, uh, you're coming down on, on four here.
2: I I am. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I'll give it a, and that's pretty much, I really like it. So I'll, I'll give it that.
1: Okay. Uh, Vanessa, how about yourself? See, I too am teetering
3: between a three and a half and a four, but I think I have to go for a three and a half. Uh, well, then, you see, you average our two scores together, and we both yeah. get what we want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, and honestly, I, wanna, I would like to see this again, and maybe my opinion will change, maybe it won't. But I feel like I need to watch it another time, just to be satisfied, to see how I completely feel. All right. I have a feeling it's not going to change, but
0: <laughs>
3: again, Bo thinks I'm a monster because I want that. <laughs> the three point seven five. It...
1: All right, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna help you out on this one uh, because I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a four, which will bring the average score to about a three seven five. Not quite exactly, but it'll okay, okay. above <laughs> a three point five. Yeah, because I think you're right. I, I I think that this is a movie that four stars almost feels like too much. Three and a half feels too little. But like I said, we're not monsters right, here. Right. Um, right.
3: Except for me. But,
2: you know, and just like when I'm doing my taxes, I round up.
1: All right. Well done. Um, so, yeah, I you know, Veronica, it, it's again, I feel bad because I feel like we're damning the movie with with faint praise. But I also believe that it is a movie that once you watch it, you're going to come away from it thinking, hey, that was pretty good. And and that's kind of it. It it it's a movie that I've seen twice now, and it doesn't necessarily stick with me. Uh, other than yeah, that was good. I, I had a good time watching that. I just don't know that I need to w- see it again. You know, I I feel like two two watches is just fine. Um, but on the other hand, if someone had never seen it and wanted to see a, a good possession movie, I would not turn it down either so i don't know it's 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 a little frustrating because especially coming from the guy who did wreck which was if not original was certainly a a, an original take on an unoriginal concept uh it's always a little frustrating when you see a guy later in his career make a movie that's not as good as an earlier film you always want him to improve Like, you you want everyone to essentially be uh, Mike Flanagan, who just seems to be getting better. Um, At any rate. All right, folks. That's Veronica. Thanks for the recommendation. Uh, You know, I think we all enjoyed watching it. That's the the big takeaway is that, yeah, it's good. You should watch it. If you haven't seen it, watch Veronica. Um, Now, we turn our attention to our feature film tonight. And that will be Hereditary.
0: And now our feature presentation Come on Peter There's your suit I recognize you from your mother. What? Sometimes I swear I can feel them in the room. Oh my god! Was that?
2: She isn't gone.
0: She had private rituals, private friends. Who's gonna take care of me? You don't think I'm going to take care of you?
3: But when you die... And she wasn't altogether there. At the end. I just don't want to put any more stress on my family.
1: 2018's Hereditary uh, is directed and written by Ari Aster. Uh, stars Tony Collette as Annie. Gabriel Byrne as Steve. Alex Wolfe as Peter. Millie Shapiro as Charlie. And uh and then some other creepy people. Um <laughs> the, the synopsis goes uh and and I'm gonna go ahead and say like if you haven't seen Hereditary, my own perspective on this is the less you know about the movie, the better. So if you haven't seen it, I would recommend you do so and then return to this review because there is no way to talk about this movie without spoiling the shit out of it. So uh the The synopsis is after the family matriarch passes away, a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences and begin to unravel dark secrets uh Jamie, let's begin with you this time. Uh, where do you come down on uh the the much hyped uh film written and directed by Ari Aster uh also if uh i believe this is yeah his first feature as well speaking of debuts uh where do you land on hereditary
2: well interestingly this is another film that was also being praised as the exorcist of our generation uh or of our time or whatever i don't know anyway it, people were calling it basically the 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 new exorcist in that it was going to have the same impact. And I thought it was funny because people were saying the same thing about Veronica. So it's interesting that we talked about those two films of the two. I feel like if one of them is going to succeed at being that it's going to be this one, this is, um, to me, God, I mean, I think it is so far the best film I've seen this year. This one did blow me away. Not only in story, which I found, um, completely original. Earlier I was talking about how I love when horror films focus on things that you don't hear much about, when they pull things out that are a little more obscure. Um, so what we don't have here is a satanic cult you know, who is worshipping Satan. I mean, we have a uh, basically he's one of uh, one of the kings of hell but it's not someone uh, payment uh, specifically not someone that you ever really hear about and uh, you do a little research on it it's very interesting and it's also interesting to see if you do some research on the traits that are supposed to be uh, that he's supposed to have and kind of see how they have woven that into this story which i think is again Very interesting. Uh, The thing I love most about this film is that if you watch it once, then I think it gets you really well. You know, particularly uh, one scene in particular, uh, like the whole thing with Charlie. Didn't see that coming at all. Particularly based on the trailer, which I had watched numerous times uh, leading up to this film. Whomever made that trailer, Brian and I agreed, should make every trailer. Because... um, It was beautifully, masterfully done to give you the impression that something else completely... It made the film look compelling enough to really draw you in and make you want to see it. However, it not only didn't ruin anything, it left you completely open to have no idea what the fuck was going to happen. And I think that was just an an amazing job on that trailer. So, um, yeah, it completely got me on several occasions, so one very powerful moment in particular. What I love most about it is how it so subtly dropped hints as to where it was going, so that when you go back and watch it a second time, you find that this film has covered its bases. It has told you virtually everything you need to know to get the end of, to get to the end of the film. You just don't know you're being told that when you're being told. So you're not really listening, at least not in the way that you should be. But if you go back and watch it again, you find, oh, well, shit. You know, if I I wish I'd paid attention to that because you told me right out and I just didn't know to look or listen. So I love when a film does that. When it, And I say this all the time. like One of the things that bothers me the most is when a, a mo- you get to the end of a movie and they pull something out of their ass and then – It's something that they have not ever alluded to the entire time. And so it has been impossible for you to have any idea what was going on or to have any idea to figure it out. Whereas a film like this very smartly does it so that you won't because you're focused on other things. But if you go back and watch it again, you're like, oh, yeah, you damn it. You said that. So I really, really loved this film film particularly watching it the second time when i got to revel in how well it was done and and i really think it was done extraordinarily well everyone keeps talking about tony collette's performance i think she deserves every one of those accolades that she's given and uh, she has some amazing scenes in this film one in actually two in particular one being when um off screen, it begins off screen and then continues on screen when she finds out about Charlie. And holy shit, uh, that just rips, just rips straight to the core. Uh, her performance is so incredibly realistic that I actually would have believed they probably like killed one of her kids off screen <laughs> just to get the shot. Uh, because it's phenomenal. Uh, the other being the dinner table scene where she gets into... Or she doesn't even really get into an argument with her son. She just l- just lays it out there. She just slams him with this brilliant dialogue, or monologue, where she just goes, and uh, her emotion is just off the charts. She... I mean, she got... Oscar, she got um, some Oscar attention when the she did The Sixth Sense, and I think this performance is... Far better than that one. And I think she was amazing in that film. Don't get me wrong. Another film, by the way, that covered its ass really well. But I think that uh, she was incredible in that film. But this, I think, is a just a has. I think this performance has much more depth and uh, maturity to it. And she just killed it. Um, No one ever really has talked about Gabriel Byrne that much. And I feel like it's because you feel like his character didn't have that much to do. And that's true. He didn't have a whole lot of screen presence compared to the other characters. He didn't have a lot of dialogue, and he didn't have a whole lot of emotion. He was very kind of even keel the whole time. But the thing was, what he managed to do for me is I ended up feeling the sorriest for his character because he was just a regular dude trying to keep his shit together. He had no idea what was going on around him. He was not privy to anything, and I, I think that that plays on a couple of different things. I mean, they this was a family that didn't really seem to know that much about each other, didn't really seem to care to know that much about each other, and you know, so he was off doing his own thing. But at the same time, he really did care for his family. It's just he wasn't. I guess he was kind of like my dad in that respect. He there was not a there was no emotion there ever uh, like outwardly. But you knew he cared. He just was very quiet about it, and maybe that's why his character spoke to me. I don't know, but I I really do feel for his character. And the moment we see him when he come upstairs to get her to get her for dinner, and she says, "You know, I'll make the dinner," and he's like, "No, I made the dinner. You can either come or come down or not." You know, and uh, I. I like I was like, damn! Like he has reached his tipping point, and then you know we're. I was watching it with Brian, and he's like, you know, well, hell, I don't blame him. I mean, would you want to see a basically a diorama of the death of your child, complete with a killer son in the in the driver's seat? I mean, it's yeah. – I mean, that's, that's kind of hardcore. And, you know, he's like, and I said, well, no, I mean, he obviously, you know, he doesn't need to be reminded of that. And then he's like, and you don't want your kid to see it either. And that's true. You know, you wouldn't want your, this to be, I mean, oh man, so many things, like so many layers of these characters. Uh, it's just, and they're, and how they interact with each other. And, Uh, how their family works or doesn't work on so many levels. Uh, I mean, I can't, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than I think it's really brilliant. I do. And then there's a whole lot of other stuff that I didn't even talk about.
1: All right. Well, uh, we'll leave it there for a second. Vanessa, um, hereditary. What say you?
3: I too think it is. It's probably the best movie I've seen this year. I would say and actually, I said earlier, I think, Bo, before you were back from break, I have recommended this to my father, the Catholic deacon, as a movie to see.
2: Yeah, I want to hear about this conversation. Is what I want. So,
3: so my father, he's really he's. Partly, largely to blame for me getting into horror as a child. And he's known for reading me inappropriate, kind of, as far as just terrifying type things when I was a very young age. And, like, he, when my mom was in labor in the delivery room, he was outside and he was reading The Exorcist. I mean, like, he's always been into that kind of thing. And,. He's was a science. he's always been a scientist and been very academic about a lot of things, but he's always a theology minor, so has this like other background. It's this weird mix. So you get the academia with this whole I'm gonna give you the, you know, in-depth discussion about religion, but not like Bible beat or try to convert you kind of thing. It's weird. So anyway. We've gotten into many different religious discussions over the years, and he did not become ordained as a Catholic deacon until maybe a few years ago. Well, so as he's been going through his training over the past few years, the, he, started, he will bring up every once in a while about, oh, there's a real push for uh, need for exorcists in the church right now. And I'm like, wait, Dad, are you going to become an exorcist? What's going on here? Uh, Oh my God, how cool would that be? Yeah,
1: that would be pretty awesome.
3: That would be pretty awesome. He hasn't told me that yet. Yet, I say. But, so part of why I recommended this movie to him was, I knew it would tickle the horror fan in him, and I know he doesn't get to see as much horror as he used to, because my stepmother, not into that. But I specifically told him, you watch it by yourself. As I said, In part, I think for him as a Catholic deacon, and I think anybody can relate to this too, but I said it's an amazing examination of grief and how people deal with grief and how grief is a really terrifying thing in and of itself. I mean, we saw this in the Babadook, whatever, a few years ago, and you've seen that comparison to this hereditary in some of these different reviews. At least I have. Oh, sure. And I totally get that. But where this is different, you know, it goes more down a Rosemary's Baby path <laughs> type things. And I didn't talk with my father the nitty gritty about like, oh, there's they're worshiping payment And they're offering sacrifices and this kind of stuff. I thought it'd be better for him to find that out on his own. (laughs) So I've omitted that part of the conversation. But I told him that I think, you know, I explained that here's this amazing study of grief. But then what happens when otherworldly, you know, ghostly, spiritual entities enter into... The scenario, because there is a question to some extent with this movie. is it just they they set it up I mean they're you're right, Jamie, they are wonderful to cover their tracks and set it up perfectly, and there was a lot that I caught I have to say I caught the first time because again, because of my father, I was reading all kinds of like occult type shit that included things about payment when I was like a kid. <laughs> <laughs> again, inappropriate things for someone that age, perhaps, but, um, so I I just, I started telling him about this, but well, we got into this big discussion about exorcism, and, and I said, you know, one thing that they do mention in this movie, here, Annie and her family, Annie, the character played by Toni Collette, who, yes, should win every award possible for her acting performance, but is this whole history of mental illness that's supposed to go throughout her family. And where is it, where does it become something other than mental illness? You know, and of course I'm talking to my father. I'm like, well, like in the exorcist, you know, the priest, he goes through this whole thing and they try to rule out the psychological before they move in the medical like biological before they go on to something spiritual. And so, yeah, my father starts the whole, well, you know about the exorcism training and everything. So I was, I'm waiting for him next time to tell me he's becoming an exorcist, but which, yeah, that would be kind of the coolest thing. But yeah, I think the the performances in this film, I, like I said, I can't go on enough about todu Collette. I mean, she's such an underrated actress in my opinion. In anything she does but I, I think everybody puts in a strong performance and yes Gabriel Byrne it's so much more nuanced than you realize like right. I, I felt it when I first saw it but seeing it the second time mm-hmm. I just realized how much more he's not necessarily given the amount of action to do the amount of lines, but what he conveys on his face mm-hmm. and that dinner table scene. Oh my God. The anguish. Everybody just, it is, it is one of the best written, best directed scenes I've seen in a long time as far as creating tension.
2: Oh, for sure. I, I fucking love that.
3: scene And just emotion.
2: And even though he barely says a word during it, Gabriel Byrne's reaction to what is happening between his wife and his son is, I mean, it's just until finally he reaches a point where he's like, okay, we're doing you know, more of this. We're not doing this anymore. You know, we're huh. stopping this right here.
1: Absolutely. You know,
2: it, it just, it, it was so powerful. Um, every one of them. And then the son as well. I mean, Peter, Peter was really good. Yeah. If you can manage not to be distracted by that mole. Um, I know. Yeah. That's
3: the only thing. <laughs> no, but it is kind of distracting
1: <laughs> you guys.
3: So, so one question, no one question I did want to ask hmm. going back to the, and my, and this is again, my discussion with my dad where he's talking about sometimes psychiatry doesn't fix everything. And he's like, you need to, that's when you need the exorcism. I'm like, Oh my God, dad, thank you. So is that what you want to say about my mental illness today? Cause yeah, we had a pretty crazy Conversation about my bipolar depression last month. Anyway, so with Annie's family though in this movie, how many of these instances, like her brother's suicide, was he really schizophrenic? Was it really? Was it actually the fact that the matriarch of the family was already trying to raise payment, oh, and yes. she was inheriting? I mean, and also. You know, but is there a mix of mm-hmm. mental illness? Because well,
2: see, I, that's interesting because that's actually the specific scene or specific point that I'm thinking of when I or the first thing that comes to mind when I say I like the way that this film covers its tracks and you, you know, right. may not realize it the first time around, but watching it right. the second time it hits home is you know the first time because that whole scene with her at the um, at the support group. Mm -hmm. Takes place before anything happens with Charlie and all that. So you're fresh from the death of her mother and she starts talking about her crazy family. So you're like, oh, my God, you know, damn, like I thought my family was nuts. And then here's this. And um, oh, she had a schizophrenic brother who was always blaming their mother for putting people inside him. And so he killed himself. Yeah. And then like you watch it the second time and I'm like, fuck me. That I believe, yeah, that was her attempting to raise payment and he killed himself before they could be successful with it. So she basically had to start all over again.
3: Exactly. And that even though that's similar to what happens in Rosemary's baby, where the girl Terry Terry throws herself out out the the window. window right before they end up impregnating Rosemary. It doesn't feel like, oh yeah, I've been there, done that. No, it doesn't. It absolutely and, and really that's
1: did, and know? that's
3: one of and that's even though yes, this has a, a you know, a sense that there is homage to Rosemary's Baby. You don't feel like necessarily been there, done that. Like no, I it's think because there are so the many, original right. was so much of the, so much of the, the script. I think and some of the visuals. I think I I love the fact that the Annie character is an artist Mm -hmm. and that she purges herself and her emotions through this artwork. And then the fact that that Charlie does the same on Mm -hmm. whatever other scale.
2: Uh, Well, and then one of the attributes of payment, which I find interesting is the arts. And I, um, I think, wow, you know, good job movie. Yeah. Um, I, I I know. I appreciate those little touches like that,
1: yeah all right Bo? Uh, yeah i I really, really like uh hereditary. I think it's a it's a great movie. Um, you know, you guys have covered a lot of the reasons why why it's fantastic i I wish <laughs> here are the things that I don't like about hereditary oh, um, there's always one uh well, a couple, <laughs> I wish that the movie never answered its question you know i i think that the idea that this might be entirely psychological is really fascinating but at a certain point in the movie it it sort of gives that up and is like oh no 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 this is what's really happening um i i felt like the movie worked best when it was a family drama um by the time you get to the end of the film i feel <laughs> I was less interested in the horror movie that was happening than I was the the drama that was unfolding and I thought that was tremendous. Uh I think as soon as it 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 leans more into being a horror movie, I kind of became less interested in it. And I I think that the final I don't know 10 minutes or so, um not the stuff with like, you know, Tony Collette uh, uh, in the attic and all that stuff. I thought all that stuff w- was was really cool. Um, yeah, I just I I wish it had been a bit more ambiguous. You know, I, I think of something like the Baba Duke, where there is, even though I think that answers its own question too, it answers it in a way that I felt was more satisfying than Hereditary. Um. I I really I again I don't want to damn with faint praise here because Hereditary is fucking amazing. Uh, the scene where Charlie, you know, again spoilers, uh, where Charlie is decapitated uh. is one of those things where I was like, the fuck, and yeah. uh, like it totally took me by surprise. And and that was uh, another thing that kind of frustrated me was that. After that moment, there are plenty of, of other little surprises. And I think it's just the the problem with ending a movie is that at some point you have to bring this to a conclusion and the conclusion is never as satisfying as the journey or at least infrequently is an ending of a movie uh, the, the best part. Um, and, and that's, I think, what Hereditary suffers from is that there is so much excellent work being done both from the direction and the acting and the script. It's all fucking amazing. And then you reach the end of the movie and it's like, well, and here's how it ends. And you know, the, the, yes, it was supernatural all along. Here's the problem with, uh, uh, the kid and, and all that stuff. Um, and I, I found the explanation to be satisfying, if not exciting But there were so many moments in the movie that I thought were exciting, you know, Um, that almost cover to cover, excluding kind of the moment where, like I said, where it becomes a horror movie, The, the, the moment where the sun goes up into the attic. From that point on, it felt a little more routine. That said, this movie contains the raw shit. I have ever heard a mother say to a child and it, you know, it's the scene where she's like, yeah, I tried to give myself an abortion, you know, that whole speech where she's talking about how unwanted he was as a child. uh, Even though she's trying to be um, ultimately uh, a, a good parent and try to say like, no, this is what I felt, but you have to understand that I love you. And I'm glad that I didn't, I didn't succeed in any of that. But it's also just like, the fuck lady you don't say that to a kid ever even as an adult your
3: kid never needs to hear her facial expression after she says it and the way she puts her hands over her mouth she's like i cannot believe that actually came out of my mouth like she is just shocked and like that she herself said it yeah his reaction i love too
1: yeah alex alex wolf as the kid uh is, is fantastic as well like yeah. That and that dinner table scene that we were talking about mm-hmm. is, oh my goodness, that it, you know, boy, talk about taking me back uh, to my own family dinners. <laughs> um. <laughs> it yeah, I mean, it is it is tremendous. I just, uh, I just wish that there that the ending felt a little more exceptional to me because at a certain point yeah it's it's it, but it's the problem with Rosemary's baby the only difference is Rosemary's baby has that more complicated emotional response from Rosemary where she's deciding like do I do I kill this horror of a child or do I just become another protector and and having to fight that battle between maternal instinct and um and and you know something more horrifying that you could literally be destroying the world uh right. by by taking care of this child whereas this you know uh tip of the hat to the movie Halloween you know a lot of this is about whether or not the character of of the son can escape his fate and uh speaking of lost after dark that's some shit i ripped off but i i think that <laughs> I I think that um Hereditary at the end of the day is one of those movies that I feel like I need to live with a little more and and decide whether or not uh the ending is more revelatory in some way that I'm just not catching cuz as I was watching it uh I it, it more felt like okay we got to wrap this thing up now like we've set up all the pieces now it's time mm-hmm. to to you know tip the domino and let them all fall um that said i mean there is no reason that anyone should not see this film it it, i i i hesitate i like there are things about it that i found really unsettling i don't know that i ever found it to be a really truly frightening film um but i think that it's incredibly compelling and and was a movie like I can't wait to have it in my collection so I can watch it again and again and, and start picking it apart a little bit more. Uh, but, man, I, I mean, yeah, it's it's tremendous uh, as a film. And, and um, is it the best movie I've seen this year? I don't know. Uh, I You know, I, I haven't really sat down to think about what that list would look like. It's certainly in the conversation. There is no question about that um and and truly one of the one of the finest examples of the fact that we're living in a golden age of horror where you do have things like you know this and get out and it you know it follows and all the movie the, the bitch uh all the movies that we've been talking about tonight that the fact that all of these are coming out within 5 or 6 years of one another is head scratching like we don't (laughs) i almost feel bad because at some point this is going to stop because it can't continue and
2: well we've gotten to the point where every year i i reset you know at january i reset the new year and i go okay what's going to be the one to wow me this year i because there has been like there's always been one And there have been a lot of good ones, but there's always been like one really standout film um, for the past five or six years. You know, one that just kind of like hits me over the head early on. And um, like usually I know like when I see it, I know that that's it. And that, you know, I'm probably going to see some other good stuff the rest of the year, but I doubt anything else is going to really affect me that way. And I kind of felt like walking out of the theater like Hereditary was that this year. I I think this I think I found it, which is uh, funny because I thought I had found it with A Quiet Place because that's how I mean, the way I was crying during that damn movie. I was like, well, I don't (laughs) think anything's going to ring me dry. You know, nothing's going to ring me as dry as that one did. So Um, and then I saw this and I'm like, so I don't know, maybe there's something even better out there. But uh, as it stands right now, I, I think it'd be really hard to top for me.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, certainly it, it it's a movie that will you know when I'm putting together my own top ten list at the end of the year, it, it I, I can't imagine it's not not only on that list but in the in the top five. I can, I'm I'm trying to think of something better. I'm not coming up with it right now, but you know, I don't want to I don't want to peg myself. I mean, you know, it's still yet. we're
2: only we're only halfway through, so you know, we're a little over. There's time.
1: Right, right. And you know, there there is stuff coming down like I still haven't uh even movies like that Hammer kind of tip of the hat ghost stories uh is just now available. I haven't seen that yet. And...
2: Oh, we watched that.
1: Yeah, how is that?
2: It was actually it was good. Uh it, it's funny because like midway through I was like, "Well, I mean, I'm, you know, it's good because it's um what's his name? I can never remember his damn name. I love him. Martin Freeman. Um yes um because i love martin freeman and i'm like oh you know but, but what's interesting is that like like part way through the film i'm like well i'm not really all that blown away yet like it's good but i mean eh. but then by the time we get to the end i was like oh, <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> so yeah it's totally worth your time you you give that movie some time
1: <laughs> yeah yeah uh I, i'm looking forward to that but yeah there you know there's stuff coming out like who knows? The Meg could be so tremendously dumb and fun that it just wins me <laughs> over. I have no idea.
2: Hey, well Pir- when Piranha three D came out. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That was so happened. much better
3: than it deserved to be.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That shit happened. That was the thing.
1: So um <laughs> It certainly was.
3: Yeah. Um
1: all right. Well let, let's uh let's rate hereditary. Um this almost feels like going through the motions at this point, but Um, Jamie, let's start with you. What do you, uh, what do you rate? Five. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Vanessa.
3: Um, five.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, but I
3: I will, but I will say, I, I agree with you. I feel that that last like few minutes is, is a little rushed. And I think that was why it's not like an enthusiastic five for me. (laughs) Um, see I don't I like that I I really
2: like the way that that was paced um I like the fact that they it was almost like they hit the fast forward button at the end because I feel like it it kind of um I don't know juiced it a little and I wasn't expecting that either you know like from the moment we get Gabriel Burns um resolution we'll say demise um yeah i mean i was like what the fuck you know because i didn't see that happening and not the way not the way that it i didn't that is not what i pictured going down in that scene and then from that moment on it was just like uh, like just a high-speed chase almost i felt like well maybe not from that moment on but pretty shortly after um I, I kind of feel like that as well took me off guard. So basically this movie's whole job was just to keep taking me off guard and uh, make me keep going, what the fuck? What the fuck, movie? What the fuck? And it uh, it, it did and it worked. And so for me, I think that uh, that technique was uh, like dead on. Uh, to me, that's exactly the juice that we needed at the end to just keep me that much more unsettled. But I can totally see it not working And you're like, no, see, I was enjoying this languid pace. I was enjoying the drama because I really was, too. You know, I was enjoying the drama that we have with the family. And now this kind of feels like, you know, horror movie, like just any. I mean, I get that it feels a little maybe generic in some of the things that they do. But I still feel like they managed to do it with a little bit of freshness. And uh, at least for me. No, agreed.
3: Agreed. That's why I still like it rates so (laughs) high. (laughs) And it, okay, I, I, this, this is a little Jamie Jenkins moment, sorry, a little tangent, but it's on subject. When I saw this the second time in the theater, I was sitting next to the biggest fucking asshole on the planet. I almost reached over and punched him. Why? Oh, my God. During this end part, like, he had leaned over and, like... Kind of loudly whispered to his girlfriend at a couple other points during the movie, and I was just like, Are you kidding me? It was so ridiculous. And yeah. then, and my friend that was with me hadn't seen it before, but it was my second viewing, but still, I'm like, This is just rude or whatever. But then you got to the point where all of a sudden, the son Peter wakes up from being knocked out and whatever, and Tony Collette, like, you know, the part where she's like, in the shadows and on the ceiling and all Mm that stuff. The motherfucker points out and like in my, like not just periphery, but like right in front of me, the point to like towards the part of the screen to point out to his girlfriend. So it was like, he was, I guess the second time he was seeing it. So he had to point out like just how cool it was that he saw this. I was like, Oh, and (laughs) then, then by that point, All these people had started looking at him, and and then he proceeded to continue to, like, lean over and whisper spoilers to his girlfriend loudly the rest of the show. And I said something, but oh my god. You did? Good for you. What'd you say? I just told him. I'm like, would you just fucking shut up? We're trying to watch the movie in peace. And it didn't work, but... bastard. No. And then, of course, as soon as the movie, like, ends, he, like, jumped up and, like, ran over my feet. As I walk as he walked out, but hey. Oh what the fuck? Yeah. He walked. he did the same thing to everybody on the row, but anywho, I had to get that out of my system. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was just the worst. And my friend who was sitting me with me who hadn't seen it before, I felt so bad for him. Yeah. That is horrible. I hate yeah. that shit. I hate yeah. it. Yeah. Anywho. Bo, what do you rate this movie?
1: <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna give it a four and a half. Uh, I might regret that as too low later, but that feels right to me. Um, I, I think it's tremendous. I think people should see it. Uh, you know, I found the ending a little, a little, uh, not just abrupt and, and, and paced differently than the rest of the movie, but just kind of like, Oh, okay. I guess that's, it makes sense that this is how it's wrapping up, but I, I wish that it had been as surprising and shocking and interesting as the rest of the movie was um yeah because i there are things about this movie that will hang with me forever the, the the insert shot they do of uh poor charlie's head
2: oh that's phenomenal yep god, and I and mean, they linger
1: yeah oh my god the the entire scene where that kid where you know peter the son um comes home after that has gone down Oh god! Is the one of the most heart wrenching things I've ever seen in a movie because yep. it's like, well, how do you process that? What do you what do you even say? You know, it kind of wasn't your fault, but also it's kind of your fault. You know,
2: yeah. yeah. Um, I, well, I love that he doesn't even turn around. He doesn't get out of the car. He doesn't. You know, he knows. He knows. He doesn't have to see, and he just drives home. And he drives and if you can, you know, if you pay attention, like he's driving really slowly when he drives off because like he does not want to go home and he doesn't know what he's going to say when he goes home. And I was actually thinking mm-hmm. about that during that scene. What do you do? You know, like because and, and I was because the first time I saw it, the, the first thing I thought was, God, I was like, that's pretty hardcore to go home and just go to bed. You know, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, like, that's harsh. But then I was like, well, what the fuck do you do? Right. You yeah. know, like, do you go home? Do you wake them up? Is it the kind of thing you'd rather than just discover? Hopefully, while you're not at the house anymore, like maybe you get up early and go to school that day. I mean, I don't know. It just it, it it's it's one of those situations where there really is no good way to handle it. So it makes you have all like butterflies when you're watching it because you you know for the character. Well, and
3: it's like Four he's people. clearly emotionally numb because it's such yeah, an emotional overload. Yeah, it's you know? such a shock. Like, how do you process that? That's, yeah, a lot of times you just go numb. Well, and you know that he,
2: even though younger sister forced to take her, that kind of thing, you know that he cares about her and the way that he comes running out of the party, holding her, like carrying her to the car. He just scoops her up and runs out the door and he's going to rush her to the hospital. It is obvious that he loves her very much. So then to, in the very same scene, go from him doing his damnedest to rush and save her life
1: mm-hmm. to
2: him having to resign himself to the fact that he just took it. That is
3: harsh. Yeah. God damn it. Now I want to watch it again. Yeah. I yeah. know, right? That's exactly how I feel.
1: Yeah. It, it has that effect. Like As you start talking about it, you're like, I I really want to see this movie again. Uh, and, you know, September 4th, as we learn, uh, we yes. will all be able to, to possess it, to have it for our own. Ha, 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 ha.
3: Um, I wouldn't call it the exorcist of this generation, but that's just me.
2: Yeah. I, no, I would.
3: Uh, well, to me, it's that's
2: there, very different anyway. Like it, yeah, it, exactly. You can't, you know? Right. Mm-hmm
1: yeah it's it's an unfair comparison and i also you know even even as as much as I love hereditary after discussing it i still think that maybe the Vibich is a uh a better film um not not i mean it's an apple and oranges kind of comparison it just if if you ask me which one I want to watch right now uh, I'd probably say hereditary because I've only seen it once but
2: And we were just talking about it, right? But
1: but but yeah, on on any given day, that that's a real toss up, and I would kind of lean towards the witch because I well,
3: same producers. I mean, what are they going to do next?
1: They pretty much do no wrong, is what they do. Um, they're talking. Uh, you know, the the rumor is that they want to do a giant, uh, or not a giant, a killer shark movie with Mike Flanagan. Ooh. Oh
3: man! Uh-huh. Oh man! I'd be on board with that.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And I mean, this is all kind of Twitter stuff, but like they had tweeted yeah. something about, "Hey, we we would like to do a, a killer shark movie too." And Flanagan was like, "Absolutely, you let me know if you want to do it, and I'm on board." And yeah. you know, in, I fucking love that guy. In today's age, uh, that is that is something that could absolutely happen. And if it did, it would My God, Mike Flanagan doing a a killer animal movie is about the best thing I could think of. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, that is uh, hereditary, and we will be right back after this to wrap up the show.
0: This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to. the psychosemantic podcast politics movies and political movies find us on facebook itunes stitcher LegionPodcasts.com. podcasts.com the Semantic podcast
1: all right welcome back to episode 128 of devour the podcast yeah hey they only come down the pipe once a month these days but by god they're three and a half hour bangers so, uh, big thanks, as always, to you folks for listening. Uh, please rate and review, and and if you can, tell somebody you're enjoying the show, if in fact you are. Uh, if you're not, uh, Jamie is readily available on Facebook to field any <laughs> comments. Um, a big thank you. Whoop your ass. A <laughs> uh, big thank you as well uh, to my co host uh vanessa and jamie uh thanks guys as always this was uh as usual a lot of fun
2: yes it was i enjoyed it thanks thanks for uh interesting films to discuss
1: yeah so uh you know we're gonna be doing another wheel of devour uh come next month uh if you head over to the devour the podcast uh facebook page uh, or, or Legion Podcast, either one. You can kind of find everything there. Some new stuff. I had mentioned this on, uh, on Morbid Monday, but, uh, it feels like, you know, this is the place to talk about it. Sorry, it's having a, good, uh, a little sip of water there. Um, the, just to make my life a little easier and streamline things, I'm gonna be, um, pushing all the hero hero ghost show stuff all the new episodes of that will be filtered through devour the podcast it'll be sort of a devour the podcast presents kind of thing and uh, I'm working on the new episode of that right now which will be uh, meatball machine and kodoku meat meatball machine uh, a one-two punch of Japanese splatter uh, so you'll be able to get that right here on the devour the podcast feed uh, as well um, Jamie let me, uh, I, I'm going to make a sandwich while you, while you say this. Uh, where can people find you if they <laughs> want to hear more out of you?
2: Well, uh, we have a new episode of ABCs of Hidden Horror that should be coming out very soon. I've actually been saying that for a couple weeks because I have it. I just haven't finished editing it. Um, but that's because, you know, I have all the jobs. Uh, but it is episode R, and uh, it should be coming out. I'm going to try to aim for this week. And, um, well... But it'll be hopefully it'll be out by the time you hear this, I guess. Um and uh that's a fun one because you get to hear how uh Dave, we have finally found a movie that all of us did not enjoy. And um one of us really disliked one of the other person's films, and that's never happened before. And it was pretty funny. So um there's that. And um also, every Wednesday, we have the Married with Children podcast that comes out, where we're covering Married with Children episode by episode. We're about to finish out. We have one more episode uh, before we get to the end of season four of the show. And uh, we have, um, we should be recording a new Evil episodes very soon. Scheduling with that has been a little bit difficult. Same with Cinema Beef. Mostly my fault. I feel
1: like, well, uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're working yeah, 112 jobs. Yeah.
2: And eventually, I'm not sure when he plans on starting the summer series, but um, the teapots annual summer series is going to be starting soon. I know um, Bo and I both are doing e- separate episodes of that, and um, that should be starting up, I think, sometime soon, isn't it? Uh, yeah, is he planning the, to
1: start? It's already going on. The first two are out, I think, as of this recording oh, with the shit. third on the way.
2: Damn, I didn't realize he'd already started releasing him. Yeah. Okay. Well then there's that. Um so oh, well then the eighty one, eighty, let's see, eighty, eighty one, eighty two. Okay, I'm on the fourth episode. Um, so ignore the other ones, but I'm I'm kidding. <laughs>
3: I love that you have to count.
2: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna point that out if you didn't. Mm. I got
3: um,
2: you. He um Anyway, that's a fun series. I recommend it. And this year, he's doing... It's doing the 80s. And um, that's always a blast because he gets a bunch of hosts on... Uh, well, like two at a time plus him. And and um, it always leads to some fiery discussion when it comes down to picking the films for that year. So, it's a blast to listen to. I highly recommend that. So, that's happening. And I think that's about it
3: for right now.
1: All right. Uh, Vanessa, how about yourself?
3: Um... Uh, usually, as usual, you can find me the VD clinic on Legion pod Legion VD clinic podcast. Okay, on Legion, uh, the episode that is at the VD clinic on Hollywood and Vine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the episode that is coming out any day now is uh, we're titling uh, Duncan and Bogue at VD, aka Night Seed. Because we covered Clive Barker's *Nightbreed* and the book *Cabal*, and there was a lot of discussion about semen on that episode. So,
1: yeah. One could say it was <laughs> soaked.
3: It was soaked. Yes, that's true. And um, so, and then I am not on the teapots <laughs> kept countdown. However, I was earlier this month on the uh, teapots. Psycho retrospective on
1: episode
3: on the and when I covered uh Psycho Two. So there you go.
1: Yeah, surprisingly good movie that Psycho 2. I know, right? Yeah. I uh, have a lot
3: of time for it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um and if you want to hear more out of me, you can uh hop over to Legion Podcasts.com, the wellspring from which all good things uh come. Um and you can hear me on other shows like Duncan and Bo Come Correct. And uh, the shotcast, and I—I I know I'm forgetting something. Um, but also, what I like to do, folks, you—you uh, you heard all uh, all kinds of stuff from me this evening. I'd like to point out a couple of shows going on over over there that you uh, you should give a listen to. New episode of Hello, This Is the Doom Show recently dropped, and uh, that is a tremendously entertaining show. Vanessa mentioned the VD Clinic, and also we've got a couple of new shows uh, landing. Uh, one is out now. One should be out by the time you hear this. Uh, one is a brand new show, not just to the network, but just to, to Earth. Uh, <laughs> called the uh the podcast by the Cemetery. Uh, it, it features three guys with a really interesting dynamic. I highly recommend you check that out. Get in on the ground floor of that one while they're still in the early goings. Uh, and also a, a music oriented uh podcast called Metal Health that also uh, has a bit of a mental health angle to it that I think is really compelling and interesting and, and, and certainly worth your time. So really happy to have that show. And, uh, and finally I mentioned them earlier, but a new episode of frigate the 13th, uh, dropped and, uh, you can't go wrong. That is a show that is entertaining as, as all get out and, and provides a perspective that I think is, uh, often ignored and and much overlooked in the horror community and i'm again another show i'm i'm incredibly proud uh to say is uh is on our network um well yeah, we got some good stuff around here right turns all, out all kinds of stuff i mean that ain't even uh, i'm not even mentioning like hail me or short bus or evil episodes or like all those shows those are all great shows as well uh i'm just talking about the new shit the new hotness and uh but there's there's hey if you like podcasts there i guarantee you're going to find one you're going to enjoy uh, yeah. over on legionpodcast.com so folks i think that's going to do it thank you again for listening uh we will be back next month uh with a, a brand new episode and also if and you would uh hop over to the uh, the facebook uh group page and uh and keep an eye out there cuz we're going to be uh asking for new suggestions for Wheel of Devour pretty soon. Although I've still I've still got a pretty good list of, of movies to throw on there. And uh and we always reveal the name of uh that film on one of the Morbid Mondays which is me uh talking on on Facebook over at the Legion podcast Facebook page uh just about every Monday night depending on You know, if I'm on vacation or whatnot, missed a couple of weeks ago. Um, But uh, 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern, you can find me over there uh, chit-chatting with with you guys uh, about horror movies and kind of what's going on um, around the network and all that fun stuff. So uh, please drop by. Say hello. Uh, We genuinely appreciate you listening. And uh, I think that's going to do it. I think the only thing left to do is uh, to say goodnight, everybody. So say goodnight, everybody.
2: Goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night, everybody.
2: Ooh, he's going to be so mad.
1: I don't care.
0: So everyone's
2: inside of a good scare, good scare, good scare, good scare. I
0: love those scary movies. Don't explain the movies. The movies, movies don't the make psychos. The movies make psychos. We're creative. Yes, yes, yes. I love it when they walk down the hall in it's late at night. And the people start to disappear. I love it when you can't hear a sound. Yeah.